0: People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. and Masks are protective, and we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of Uh, uh, staying inside uh, there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community... You want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart. The answer is yes.
1: But the child can't not to beat it,
2: yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, <laughs> you
0: know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you wanted to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it if you would like to is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here where you could get leakage in is much better contained.
3: Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look like you are.
2: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, September 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Going to be an important focus on the evolving, continuing to expand vanilla ISIS discussion or maggot trap or the terms that we've used really to make it a simple concept from what I can see is a long-term agenda to seed extremism in this specific case neo-nazi extremism into the united states and essentially use that to blame an adversary as well as to use that to control the populace of this country and use that to scare people into certain political positions and use it to justify election moves and all sorts of different things but it's it's those that watch this show know that this is not something that is it's not hyperbole Project Aerodynamic is a CIA document document where they outline exactly this pro- project in Ukraine from 1948 forward. You can show evidence of this all the way up until recent times. You can And we'll go over a lot of this information today, and it's very, very, very transparent from people at January 6th that were part of the Azov movement yelling things in Russian, like trying to use this to make it seem as if the elements in this country that are the white supremacy, Nazi dangerous concept, which to be clear, there's extremism, white supremacy, and you know, any kind of supremacy all around the world and all countries. You'll find extremists everywhere. The idea that this is unique to one country or another is, is something that we get, that gets played with. But the idea that this is some overwhelming, all encompassing problem and the number one issue of this country, that's an illusion. And I think that's easy to prove. The point being is this is being used against us and adversaries. Now we're going to go through all of this information and where this stems from and what, it, what it's being used for today. But the connections are, are impossible to miss. And, and there's a lot of different ways it's going to be used against us. But we're also going to talk about masks. One election point to start. Just a couple of things that I wanted to get into today that just I could not I couldn't not comment on Fauci and the new discussion of the mass thing because we've been on that, you know, dying on that hill as as we're from the very beginning of this entire conversation. And yet again, coming around for a full circle to show that we were correct or rather the evidence we were We were reading the evidence correctly and presenting it to you correctly, like a lot of us were at the time and still are. And there's a couple of other vindicating points we'll go over before we get into the main discussion of the extremism and what that's being used for. And, you know, again, there's so many points to go over that. But I think it's really important to understand that this is a long term agenda and there's a lot of things that change and evolve. And it's not always just one thing or one way. But the evidence is very, very, very clear And the fingerprints are all over this. And you can see that this kind of exploded, like the agenda very quickly disintegrated because people were pointing this stuff out, because we could acknowledge and see that the U.S. had ties to the very group that they were trying to hype up and blame. And when that all kind of fell apart, I think things have shifted quite a bit. But I think the agenda overall is still in motion, just like we've seen in things like Syria. Or, I mean, in situations like Syria, where you end up having a State Department entity fighting a CIA entity. And the point is, these they just kind of throw weapons and arms and, and funds at just about anything that will, one, help achieve what they think is their agenda, or just make it even rem- the smallest amount more difficult for the people that they don't like. And that includes the people within the countries of the people that they don't like. It's never about helping people or fighting bad things. But to get into uh, the opening points here... I wanted to make sure you saw this. I'm not going to play the full uh, video. This clip is about seven minutes, but this is really interesting. And you can listen to it for yourself. He says exactly what is in the writing here. But basically, this is a Democrat county supervisor, a Democrat in Mississippi, who is now challenging his party's primary election results after discovering massive election fraud. I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, you know, from my perspective, this is, you know, just Thursday. This has been going on every day, every election, everything, every political move from every side of the political paradigm or just the government for as far back as you want to look. That includes Trump's recent election, the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before. They're always doing this. And anybody who has, you know, can stand back outside of the two party illusion has been able to see that forever, even in the things that we pretend are part of the process, like gerrymandering or, you know, any number of things that they do that are easily abused to manipulate the outcome or how people can vote or where they can vote or what. It's just it's outrageous how obviously dishonest this is. Our, our buddy Pasta Who's been doing a great job hosting over on Jimmy Dore has been really doing great work on this for a long time. Who's been talking about the fact that you know he'll, he does a, a, a international election observing and does a great job. And he goes over there and will, I mean, just to make it quick, he'll tell you about how you go to a place that we like to perceive as a third world country and they will have a an election where you can go vote in one location for you, like if there's multiple locations, but let's say your name is so-and-so, you go to this location, you vote, you can wait there until they're tallied right in front of you, and the vote is clear and everything's documented, and it gets done in one day. And you may stand back and go, well, it's because they cheat. No, it's because there's very clear, I mean, any one of these cases, whether we're talking about uh, what was Venezuela or Bolivia, there's always, always, independent, just like PASTA, independent election observers from all over the world, people like Jimmy Carter used to do this all the time, and Every single one of these places where the government's like, they're cheating the U.S. government. Weird how hundreds of international observers say the opposite. My point is that in this country, it's intentionally complicated, difficult, <clears throat> mired in all sorts of complications that make things take four days and weeks. And we have to recount And, and then there's all sorts of complicated issues where we have to. Uh, basic Bottom line is where people will end up disputing outcomes. And I mean, I could go off for an hour. In, in almost ways that are set up to achieve that. I mean, then you could even take it a step back to the bigger picture where just no matter what happens or how it goes, one side says they cheated <laughs> with no evidence even necessary and everything spins out of control. And you know what? They probably did because that's usually how this goes. But my point is that this is not deb- disputable. It should have never been disputable every single time. Like if we go back just to one election before that when they said Russia, locked to Trump. Then after that, they say no. And Trump says no, they cheated. We're talking two election cycles in a row where one side said the other side cheated, then the other side said the other side cheated. And yet at some point, people involved in the dynamic act like that's a lie or how dare you undermine the integrity of our elections. Just realize that this is happening everywhere. And I like this. This point is simple because it shows you a Democrat pointing this out on the Democrat side. It's not, he's not pointing out the Republicans doing it. He says, we have videotapes of someone going into boxes, bringing in thumb drives, bringing in ballots to be inserted into the machines. And if you think for one second that is unique to the Democrats, you are a naive person. The person he's talking about is the Hines County Democrat Party chair. Now, what's even funnier to me is, in a you know, macabre because I don't think these, I, you know, my opinion about elections, is that what we're going to see this election, and you know, as far back as you want to look, but I guarantee Let's just say somebody gets caught cheating, or something like that happens. Very clearly on the right side of this, they're going to say that they're cheating because the left cheats. We didn't. We don't want to, but we have to because they're cheating. And so, we, and then it just okay. Well, then who do you believe? See, my point is that it just ends up. this, you know, where that that is the logic of your government. Oh, we're going to give cluster bombs to bad guy side because Russia side using cluster bomb. Well, aren't you supposed to be the moral integrity, freedom fighting group? Well, no, they're using illegal war crime munitions, so we'll give them them some too. Well, then you're just as bad. And that's the point. It doesn't matter what your logic is. You're breaking the rules. And so at the end of the day, this is the system, not the people trying to abuse that system. That's the point. The system is broken. And if we can't stand back and recognize that our voting system is a complete burning dumpster fire and designed that way so they can cheat and steal and rob and do what they want while we're all screaming at each other then we'll keep doing this every single time. And guess what? Trump just told you, most important election in the history of this country. He took it another step further, even though it's just another meaningless ritual in a series of meaningless rituals where we have no effect on the outcome. Sorry, guys. I know that's hard to hear. That's the reality. But let's go into one other point that I wanted to include because I saw this circulating like a 20 second clip of this circulating on Twitter today. And I want people to make sure you, one, can watch the full video. I have the, both the YouTube embed as well as the uh, downloaded version in case it gets deleted again because it's seemingly deleted all over the internet. This is just simply in the title. This was originally by Matt Agarist from the Free Thought Project. Computer programmer testifies under oath he coded computers to rig an election. If you haven't seen this, you have to watch this. This is from The election was the year 2000. He was paid to do this. Now, I I forget the exact year he testified. I think it might have been. I don't want to guess. But you can watch the video. The information's in it. And the point, this is put out 2016. The point is that Clint Curtis, this man here, is very clear about this. And it's very easy to understand. He was paid to alter this. The only the old, There was only 100 lines of code where you could have seen this and most n- nobody would have been able to find this except people like him that know what they're looking for. And this is simple as being able to flip it to 4951 the way you want it no matter what happened. They testified to this. They proved this. He had all the receipts. And guess what happened? Everything changed and we went to a free... No, they used the same machines next time. End of story. If you don't know the moral of that story, then you're choosing to be ignorant. It wasn't one side or the other. The government, all of them, chose to use the same machines with the same systems the very next election. And guess what? They're still using some of them today, the Diebold machines. Same ones. Same stuff. Think about how ridiculous that is, and this is my point. They want it like this so it can be abused. And yet we all jump up and check boxes like we think we're doing something, like we're driving mom's car with the toy steering wheel on the wrong side, like we're five years old. We need to wake up. Now, I guess, you know, me being belittling belittling about it's probably not going to reach people, but I'm just tired of how clearly broken the system is. But speaking of broken things that don't work the way they're supposed to, or rather work just the way they're don't work just the way they're supposed to, Dr. or Fauci has yet again stepped up and admitted that he was wrong or he was wrong the first time, but then he was, no, no, we were wrong the first time, but then I changed my mind and we were right the second time, but now we're changing that again. So they were wrong the first, second time. (laughs) I don't even know how to say that right. So the first time he says they don't need them, right? You don't need them. There, did you get some schmutz and whatever, all that little video we just played for you. Yeah, you don't need them. Oh, but wait, excuse me. 30 seconds later, we now we realize that we all need them all the time. No, you need three of them now. No, now you need them all. It, it just got so absurd. For this to go this way now, in 2023, I don't know why this doesn't wake people up just like the rest of it. Fauci admits to lack of COVID mask evidence, but wants you to wear one anyway. Now, of course, what he's saying is individual has a difference, but not, not the large scale. Okay, so the big lie that we've all been told we're crazy for thinking is that this does not have an effect on a pandemic. Which, what? where'd you hear that before? <laughs> over and over and over on this show, where anybody who's honest and always, well, well, it has an effect on the individual. Okay, so that means it stops you, which which also isn't true, by the way. So this is just one more baby step away from what they ultimately lied about to begin with. But again, even if you think he's telling the truth now, why can't these people stand back and go, okay? So now we've come all the way. So cloth mask, cloth mask. Oh, wait, they don't work. Okay, 995s. And then there's probably 14 other moves in between all of that. But now, OK, well, not really having an effect on the pandemic, but we think they have an effect for you, even though the science still says that's not true. But the people that still keep wearing them. It's a ritual. It is a it is adherence. Like, I don't understand it. Like on, on a funny side note. You're not going to believe this, actually. I tried to get a picture of this person. I'm glad I remembered this. So we, I was driving to, to the office today. And I literally see a person, there's a little kind of like a park right by my place where people walk their dogs and stuff. What's just funny is you're not supposed to. It's got a big sign that says no dogs. And there's also a ordinance in general in the area here where you have to have a leash, right? Which I'm not, I'm not really care all that much about either of those things. I like that people have dogs that are trained. Anyway, point is I see this person walking out there today still, and of course wearing the mask, ready to go with a shirt on that says something, I forget what it said. It said something it's something about masks. I forget now the exact context, but I'm just laughing to myself. Like, they had a shirt that's like, dude, there's people that are already back on this mindset. That masks, masks, we have to because we're all doing our part, right? But yet, this woman's walking her dogs in a place where you're not supposed to be walking dogs, has a dog off the leash. But you damn well better wear the mask because you're supposed to. So you see the point? People like this just pick and choose what they decide is most important, and they will freak out on you if you don't do what you're supposed to. Meanwhile, they're deciding, well, the leash doesn't matter. My dog's okay. <laughs> great so you're a ridiculous hypocrite anyway i thought that side note was funny i see this every day when you walk around you didn't the, the hype of this stuff people lose their minds with this but i this is the quote from the actual uh, tom jefferson which we've cited before there's still no evidence that masks are effective during a pandemic the lead study author says quote there is just no evidence that they make any difference full stop i said it's almost like you've heard this over b- before over and over since 2020 I mean, my God. So here's what the actual article says. And this is the New York Post, but it's written in a lot of different platforms. Dr. Fauci flip-flopped once again on masking as a, as a means to tamp down on COVID-19 as he admitted that the wide-ranging study found that face masks made no difference. That's the Cochrane Review, which, you know, all of these screaming people out there tried to say it wasn't what we thought it was. Too late. It's very clear. It's, it's like saying the, the gold standard, which they do too, but doesn't apply right? It's one of the the leading places on one of the leading platforms with some of the leading people, not just going kind of don't work, but saying across the board. Cloth, N95s, I'll show you in a second, like I had before. But it was a huge, and you'd think that something like that would stop everything in its tracks, especially people that have the very mantra of trust the science. But no, you'd be mistaken. They went right over the top of it and said, somebody, is there anybody out here telling me why I can ignore this? And somebody said, yes, Here's why you can ignore it. They all grabbed onto it and they all shouted you down, but they're wrong. Quote, I'm concerned that people will not abide by recommendations. So that's a a very brief moment of honesty. It's always coming down to, they'll lie to you if they abstractly decide it means that that will maybe lead you to be safer in the long run. Even if what they tell you to do is not accurate. Like maybe it's bad in the moment, but if if I tell you I was wrong about this, you might not listen to me next time. Oh, I see. So it's really more about your authority and whether people will listen to you. So you lie because you want people to listen to you. <laughs> or you could frame that however you like. Federal agencies and state and local governments decreed dangerous mask mandates for airplanes, schools, public transit, restaurants. You remember. All largely thanked to Fauci and what he was saying about it. They love to play this game where I didn't make anybody do anything. We're seeing that going around right now. I didn't. We didn't force anybody to take shots. We just told them they'd lose their job, their house, and their family, and their kids. But, you know, we didn't force them. I mean, nobody buys that. That's so silly. But same thing. Fauci, I just recommended what I thought. Well, no, what you say, just like the childhood schedule, we don't make them do it. Well, yeah, but we all know how it actually works. You put it out on a childhood schedule and everybody follows suit. That's how that works. Same with him and his advice. As recently as this May, the former director of the NIAID said that unvaccinated children should still mask up when playing with friends, children who have basically zero effect, even according to the Oxford calculator about COVID or any of the peer-reviewed science coming out right now. But don't talk about any of that. Put the mask on that hurts them, that causes all sorts of dangerous things, that does not stop the thing that's not even really hurting them. It's ridiculous. But in February, a major study from the Cochrane Library found that wearing them was pointless. And I'll show you. Quote, there's still no evidence. The same one I just read you. Still no evidence. There's no evidence they make any difference, full stop. Okay, fronted with those quotes, I'll play you the clip, Fauci backtracked. Well, when you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data's less strong. Whoa. Well, where's that statement been this entire time? As you've been telling us, it's the one thing that'll stop us all from killing, dying from the pandemic. I mean, think about how crazy that is. After three years of first telling them to wear the one thing that causes them to get more sick, according to the peer-reviewed science, cloth masks, increased risk of infection, bacterial pneumonia, that's the peer-reviewed science from the NIH from 2020, or rather 2015, excuse me. I showed that many times. They know that. And then they go, okay, wait, sorry. No, N95s with no new science, which means they always knew and just decided to change. And now coming out and going, well, yeah, they kind of really only have a little effect for you. But if all the science says not statistically significant in reducing transmission, then what are we even talking about? You all know this, though. I mean, this is really basic. But this is really, is there, I think that was it. Yeah, that was it. Now, I just went over this show in general. There's a lot of stuff in here, but this was titled, You Have Every Reason to Question Everything You're Told About Variants, Vaccines, Masks, and PCR Tests. I think it's a kind of a good one-stop shop with all the source material, as always, breaking down why this stuff is just not accurate. PCR tests, masks, vaccines, variants, I mean, all of this stuff. And it's not just a hype, like a opinion. It's factual information based on peer-reviewed science, based on the makers of tests, based on all sorts of things. But just quickly on masks before we go into the next subject, I thought it was interesting to recognize. Here's June 3rd, 2021. Fact check, missing context and claim about emails, Fauci's position on masks. Well, the claim was that he knew masks were ineffective at mitigating the spread of COVID-19. Well, guess what the fact check found? Well, missing context, which almost, almost always means you're right, but we don't like to say that. The claim that an email from Fauci proves he do masks were ineffective at mitigating the spread of COVID is missing context based on our research. Fauci sent an email February 5th, 2020, more than a month before the WHO declared it a worldwide pandemic. The understanding, get this, about the effectiveness of masks and guidance about wearing them evolved. It, it really didn't, though, during the pandemic, and did as did Fauci's opinion. You know what I love about this? These ridiculous fact checkers who don't know how to even research, apparently you can prove, and I mean literally in real time, prove that there was no evolution of information. In fact, you can show even more that, like if you look at the body of evidence up until 2020, as we were showing you then, it's staggeringly clear. People that were even going so far as to argue that these things were increasing the risk. There's a lot of that from the 60s and 70s going, masks are actually making things worse. And there is still a valid argument for that. But that's, we're still trying to get people to understand they don't stop viruses or if they're not even there, we have to realize this. But interestingly- well, I just lost my place where we are. The understanding about it guidance where Oh, right. So the, the idea that if you know that there was no new information coming out in the in the beginning of this, to argue that that they just he just evolved his information, that's just they they literally probably they went, hey, what happened? Fauci, oh well my opinion evolved as the science evolved. Oh perfect. Fact check done. Missing context. It's the same thing as Gottlieb and Lena Wen going on and saying, Well, oh, suddenly we just realized cloth masks don't work. Again, there was no new information. They didn't present some new study. It's always been there. So, this is just a blatant cover up. I mean, this is what USA Today and all these fact checkers, Jay Jay Bonaccaro, just calling this out, these people are ridiculous. I mean, I don't even, they're not even trying to put forward a, a genuine fact check. They just, what's the narrative supposed to be? Okay, let's fact check some weird Twitter post and act like that covers the entire story and then deal with it and say, debunked. No, the guidance was clear from before. The information was clear from before. Suddenly, even Fauci said that in the beginning. Then they say thirty seconds later, he says we should wear four of them. Based on what? You guys are children. Now this one. Oh, this was the Dr. Catherine PhD. That's I'm not sure that's a real PhD, but says the the uh, let's see, let's say that in the bio. This lunatic can't stop and won't stop. I'm, not, I'm just not familiar with the platform or the account. They do follow me, but I should look at them. But says, now we can use Fauci's line during scientific debate. Oh, actually, let me play this first. Because she makes a really great point about the things they shout down that we say. Like, like we're too ignorant to understand based on, well, there's other stuff. Oh, you're cherry picking. Well, here's what he says, too. That if, in fact, we get to the By the way, what is up with this guy on the left? I mean, he's on something. I mean, what's, what is, watch his face. Those eyes do not get smaller. It's like he's, he just saw a car crash or something, and the whole time he's looking at it like that. <laughs> There's something wrong with that guy's face. Watch what I'm... It's, sorry, I should have distracted you before. Listen Point to what i saying. With a volume of... This guy's eyes are blowing my mind.
0: ...cases as such, and organizations like the CDC recommend... CDC doesn't mandate anything. I mean, recommends that people wear masks. I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves
2: and to their families and this is 2023 are you literally taking the line of the fda Uh uh-huh they're doing the same thing we we did all we did was gently suggest that you should do are you kidding me i this is the what's hilarious is everybody that lost their jobs or got attacked or got put in jail because they weren't wearing one of these non-statistically significant masks they're very aware that's not true and what's funny is the other people the ones that were saying you're a bad person for not wearing it, they also know that's not true. Or at the very least, they're saying something different because they're telling you you have to. The CDC says you have to. That's the law. So literally nobody believes what he just said, but everybody just ignores that. (laughs) These people are clowns.
0: Again, we're not talking about forcing anybody to do anything.
2: Liar.
3: Totally understood. There is a perception out there by many, how many I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes... That they didn't work in the first go round.
2: Now they love to make this clumsy, right? And this is the kind of they would laugh if we said that, even though I've never I mean, I've said it in passing, but not statistically significant in reducing transmission. That's the scientifically correct way to say that, because they have a they do work in the context of stopping spit from flying out of your mouth and blood, which is the real purpose for those things and always has been. So those, so the, to pretend they don't work is a way to kind of muddy the waters. They don't have an effect on stopping pathogens that are in a specific size range, specifically around the area of point. What was it? Point. Uh, point. I think it was point one to point three is the micron size of the of COVID. the uh, the, the general argument. I don't I actually don't even want to cite the hot, where it stops working cuz I I don't remember exactly. But I, what we know is that most pathogens fall in the category of not being too small to be stopped by this kind of mask. And that 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 includes all of them guys unless it is a, a specific respirator that is designed for industrial use and fitted to your face and then worn exactly right. And even then They'll even tell you that that has its own issues. And then even on top of that, if it's N95, that means it only stops 95% of 0.3 micron things and, below, and and above, which doesn't include COVID-19, if that's even really what we're talking about.
3: Respond to that on masks. Yeah, well, that's not so. I
0: mean, when you're talking about at the population level, wow. that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it there's no doubt that masks work
2: well you're a liar well also because you now just told everybody to take n95s except those only have a one-way i concept so when you say protecting others what are you talking about it it filters when you breathe in but it opens when you breathe out that's an n95 so you see what i'm saying like these people just are towing lines they have a narrative and they're i mean look i don't know how it's possible that we don't realize by now that he knows he's lying that's my opinion, obviously, but I find it really hard to believe he doesn't know that that's not true.
0: Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks.
2: Nope. It's blatantly untrue, and I've proven it to you 45 times. There is plenty of studies that came out during the peak of COVID madness that say all sorts of false things or conflate hand-washing, social distancing, and masks and say, yay, masks work. They know these things. These are basic manipulations. But if you look at the body of evidence, it's staggeringly clear. It's not it's, it's a, like a mountain of evidence going back to the 60s and then a surge of mass work during COVID-19 mania. It's the body of evidence is overwhelming on the side. These are not
3: statistically significant reducing transmission. Again, he knows that. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID 19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference. He told the journalist Mayan Demasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies.
2: That's huge. I mean, look, just the fact that this is coming out on CNN shows you how clearly they've lost control of the narrative. And I, I'm not saying that's because CNN's trying to inform you. I find that impossible to believe, but who knows? I think it's because they, it's a business. And as a business, at some level, you have to acknowledge how silly, as he's saying, he's getting emails from his own followers, from CNN watchers going, guys, this is clear. <laughs> think about how dumb that is. And here's Fauci still going, yeah, but real an individual. Sorry, you're wrong. And there's an, here's an Oxford expert saying that. Fauci's not an expert on PPE. Steven Petty is. And he, he'll tell you the same thing. We played that clip many times.
3: How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? This is the best part.
0: Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual <laughs> level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic
2: as a whole, that's not what the study was even about. Again, he knows that. This guy is a very bad liar. The Cochrane review was not give, like. I mean, look. I don't even know how you argue you could ever study the pandemic as a whole. Like, we somehow know the effect. It was forty percent less because of masks. That's the kind of dumb stuff they put out with an a, a, a observational opinion. The Cochrane review, which I'll show you, was very specific. It was about individual mask engagement and whether or not there was an effect on these masks based on all sorts of studies, like indiv- studies with people that had masks wearing masks versus controls. That's an that's an individual game guys this guy is a liar
0: the data are less strong but when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage when you ah
2: I love the way he just said that there's no doubt that there are many studies that say that he, <laughs> that's not the same as saying that that's even true by the way
0: took at the broad population level like the Cochrane study the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety. That's a bit different than the broad population level.
2: No, I mean, the guy, he's straight up misrepresenting the reality. I mean, it's very, very embarrassing. And since I, since I will grab this one, too, since he's making such a point to say that there's no individual information except for this very important random controlled trial, British medical journal peer-reviewed study specifically on the individual use of cloth masks versus the individual use of N95s, but you know i guess he just missed that in his due diligence the point i said i'll just go to this next and we'll go back to those videos this is the study he's talking about and i mean i'll read this the, the first of all we included 11 I mean, th- think about how ridiculous this person is they're talking about it says they have added 11 new random controlled trials which brings the total number for this study, which is a meta analysis, up to 78. 78 random controlled trials where people like Fauci are pointing at observational studies. And 78 random controlled trials, and we're pretending like not a one of those is based on individual mask use. What, what a child. I mean, it's just so, they, they, people just follow along. Now, this is there is uncertainty about the effects of face masks. The pooled results of random controlled trials did not show a clear reduction in respiratory viral infection. Now, he's if you're going to say the pooled results of individual random controlled trials somehow makes that a population wide. I don't even know why that makes sense. Again, I don't see how you could even argue that you studied a population whole mask effect. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't even understand how that would make sense. But it says it did not show a clear reduction in respiratory viral infection with the use of medical or surgical masks. There were no clear differences between the use of medical surgical masks compared with N95s, which also means they did not have an effect when used in routine care to reduce respiratory infection. Does that mean all the population at one time? Clearly not. It means an individual using it for viral infection control, and it didn't work. 78 random controlled trials. How do you even try to make that argument? That, that's what it looks like to be a failing, desperate, you know, whatever. They're, they know we see it. And I guess this is just walking it back slightly. Kevin Bass, PhD, points out he's been really kind of banging on this mass discussion. Today on CNN, after devastating study citations, I mean, I think it's the same information. Yeah, I think I grabbed both of them in general. Just to give Kevin a shout out for doing good work on this. Oh, before I forget, though, so the point was, I love this. She goes, Yeah, but there's other studies. I chose to believe other studies so I don't look like a liar that's responsible for millions of deaths. So her, her point is, Oh, okay, next time in the debate, I'm going to, Oh, but there's another, this study's my study. That one's the one. Well, they make fun of people that do that all the time. Oh, you're just cherry picking. Well, when you've got a 78 random controlled trial meta analysis from the leading group, usually that kind of takes the cake. It doesn't mean you only look at that but that's the leading body of evidence. And then you look at all the rest of them and you got plenty more meta analysis or meta-analyses. Nope, this guy's failing. say si- To do science on masks, you have an un- a masked group and an unmasked group. Oh, wait here, let me read what he said. He says, after devastating study citation, he says Fauci responded, but masks work on an individual level. He says, but this is nonsense. Here's why. That's right. I didn't include this for a reason. To do science on masks, you have a masked group and an unmasked group. You complete the rate, you compare the rate of infection in each group. This is called a randomized trial. This is how science is done. If the rate of infection is the same, then the masks don't work. This is what the studies on masks showed. No difference. Now there's simply no such thing as scientific studies showing that masks work at an individual level. Fauci either doesn't understand how science works or he is lying and making things up. There you go. It's really that simple. Fauci is saying gobbledygook in order to keep the idea of mass alive. It's incredibly shameful for Fauci to abuse science in this way. Well, don't forget, he is science, according to him. So that makes perfect sense. It's, it, but it's par for the course in the way he has communicated science throughout the entire pandemic, or what he calls science. Also wanted to include this, by the way, just because I mentioned it. I mean, we were showing you this in 2020, when people were saying this doesn't make sense. But you got to remember how dumb this is. From the very, very beginning, this is a, a mask. I mean, here, let me just do this so people can see it. This is kind of cropped. Pops up. Must. It's been censored. Yeah, right there. So this is on the side of the box. So you can see, it says very clearly. Now, I haven't checked to see if they still say this. I mean, here, these are actually slightly different, by the way. So you can see they're different boxes, but it says the same thing. This product is not a respirator and will not provide any protection against COVID-19. Think about how silly that is. That was on there in 2020. Same thing. Will not provide any protection. Do you know why? And it says, or other viruses or contaminants. Because they're not designed for that. These are just pieces of plastic with strings. These are not regulated. These are things you buy at Walgreens. And they said, yeah, that's the one. Or, you know, make it out of your shirt. That'll work. (laughs) Again, that's because I argue... They knew that this would make people more sick, which then gets conflated as COVID. I don't mean every single person everywhere, but at some level. Let's not forget, in 2015, they realized that moisture retention with cloth masks, cloth masks in particular, and the reuse of them would increase your risk of infection. That's a peer-reviewed study from NIH and our British Medical Journal posted on PubMed. Further research is needed to inform the widespread. As a precautionary measure, they should not be recommended. How do you go from that, the leading random control trial on the topic, to everyone should wear cloth masks unless you wanted to see more infection? hard not to see that. Now, uh, three other things before we finish the show and just do the rest of the show on the concept of the Azov movement and vanilla ISIS and all that. Kevin Bass also points out, new study, only 4% of asymptomatic people with COVID are infectious. Another point we've been making from the very beginning that we always knew was correct, based on a 10 million person study that found that basically nobody would, and even Fauci said this in the beginning, it's basic reality that people with respiratory symptoms really don't spread disease unless they have symptoms. And there's rare occurrences where things can change, but the point is in this study, only 4%. Remember, the only reason the mask argument was pushed so hard or taken up by a lot of people is because they argued, well, we don't know, your neighbor could be sick and he's not showing that's how they played this. They lied. They knew they were lying. It says, That's au- it's at odds with early estimates of 50%. Having symptoms stay home would have been best. In other words, we have just learned the rationale for lockdowns, mandates, etc. was fundamentally wrong or really they lied, guys. They lied. Another one. Experts issue urgent death warning to anyone who has COVID in the last two years. Interesting. New research shows that anyone infected with COVID is at increased risk of dying for up to two years. Well, what do you know? I'm going to go over that in another show. You know what this says to me? They're trying to, sh- they're, they're, we, we see the long-term vaccinated issues and now they're just kind of going, well, seeing as how everyone everywhere who's vaccinated says they've gotten COVID, most of them have because they got the vaccine, are now going to be like, oh, well, all the things that are happening is because long-term COVID stuff. So they basically just broadened out and expanded long COVID into everything, heart attack, I mean, everything, anything negative now happening is being lumped into this. Well, we just found out that two years later, you can still die from COVID. Oh, really? Prove it. <laughs> well, if you look at all the information, one of the main points of it is that they argue they took information for 2020 and then followed them for two years. But you know what they they leave out, bear, glaringly, that most of those people went on to get vaccinated. 70% of the country got at least one. And you're telling me that those people went forward after they got sick and you screamed they should all get it anyway? They didn't do that? It's, I find that impossible to believe. So your studies confounded with the fact that most of them probably got vaccinated. And then you act like none of them were because you Started from 2020 where they weren't. As well, another point Chief Nerd points out new FOIA documents obtained by ICANN show the CDC and FDA ignored a US military investigation showing the vaccines were failing as early as January 2021. What do you know? Humatrix Cloud Services was contracted by the US military. Because remember, this is a military operation. That's why this, this probably was the whole point to analyze vaccine data. The researchers found that the proportion of total COVID cases among the seniors was increasingly comprima- comprised of vaccinated people. See, we knew this from the beginning. They just censored us all. The breakthrough cases started in January, 2021, according to the data, just like we were saying for the week ending in June, July 31st, 2021, Post-vaccination COVID-19 cases represented 73% of the cases among people 65 and older. You heard that from us. In the week ending July 31st, 2021, 63% of COVID hospitalizations in seniors were fully vaccinated. Hoomtrix shared the data with the U.S. CDC in August 2021. Guess what they didn't do? Tell you. The CDC and FDA and NIH did not share the data with the public. No, I mean, you guys all know this. this. This is a benign point to you. You've been hearing this from me the entire time. But we now have FOIA requests that prove it, thanks to ICANN, who you guys should follow. They've been doing great work on breaking these things down. People like Aaron Seary and the rest of them just constantly getting these FOIA requests that are proving that they're liars. But sadly, most people don't even understand what they're looking at. And I don't mean that as like you're a d- dumb thing. They just don't, if these legalese documents are impossible half the time, and most people just dismiss them anyway because they go with the narrative that their side says. Now, let's get into the main part of the show today. Now I, I decided to take a little bit longer on that opening, but I wanted to get into that a little bit. But I'm going to break this up in general. So what I'm going to do right now is play the clip that I would have if I'd only opened with this topic. And this, guys, <laughs> I'm telling you, this this topic worries me. Not and I'm not trying to, to scare anybody, but this is very real, and we can see this happening. And that doesn't mean every single person involved knows that they're involved with something like this. And I could certainly be wrong, but all the receipts are there. I'm just very worried about what this is used for to suppress our speech, to shut things down, to stop you from being able to own weapons. I mean, all this stuff is on the table right now. So we need to understand what's really going on here.
1: Brzezinski was the strategist for Jimmy Carter and convinced Jimmy Carter to say look, uh, the Russians are dominating uh, Afghanistan with a civilian secular government. Let's create al-Qaeda. Let's uh, back Osama bin Laden and give his supporters weapons to begin fighting the Russians, and uh, we can pull a coup d'etat there and uh, the Russians will fight back, and then we'll say the Russians invaded. And it worked. Saudi Arabia made a deal with America that they would push the Wahhabi uh, extremists, uh, the al-Qaeda, the most right-wing wing of Islamic parties, and it worked. Uh, essentially, al-Qaeda is a contract army uh, for the United States. Well, the same thing was happening in, in Russia. What Brzezinski wrote was that America's faced with a possibility of not being able to rule the world unilaterally? Any country's economic ability to be self sufficient means a uh, po- potential military power. And in order to prevent any country from threatening America militarily, you have to prevent it from developing economically. Uh, the American nightmare, Brzezinski wrote, was that Russia would get together with Germany and with Western Europe, creating Russian raw materials, German industry, and somehow finally, Russia would become westernized. Uh, America, uh, under Brzezinski's uh, strategy, said this would be a disaster because if Russia's westernized, if it becomes democratic, if... if uh, Uh, Europe and Russia are prosperous, then we cannot control them anymore, and they will have no reason to be NATO. We've got to stop Russia, and the place to stop this Russian-European conglomeration is to split it right at the border uh, down Ukraine. Let's do in Ukraine what uh, we did in Afghanistan. Let's uh, back the crazies. Well, most of them are uh, the the former uh, neo-Nazi groups that have been... uh, uh, so prominent that fly the nazi flag well,
2: that's michael hudson discussing this with the nation and i'll include those links for you very important conversation to understand this goes you know you could see the exact same discussion going back to afghanistan the Mujahideen, the conversation of you know like if you've seen the movie charlie wilson's war the ridiculously cartoonish whitewashed version of what really happened but the general point being that the u.s government armed bad people to stop the soviet union to mire them in this situation which you could argue had worked or had an effect and then just well however you think would happen the argument being that they either left and allowed those people to proliferate and that became something that they don't want to admit now or it was continued to use which is what i really think these are just the same elements that they're always funding and arming like the moderate rebels in syria it's the same game guys so what we're seeing in ukraine is an extension of the same agenda it's the same kind of game that the CIA has always been playing. Now, you can we could talk about you could just say it as the government. But I use the CIA in the title because of Operation Aerodynamic because you can prove this. So it's important that we can we go with what we can prove As this. I, this I put out a while ago on the on the March 2022, not just the Azov movement documents prove. The CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. And this is, I'll also have this out so you can read it. It's only six pages. This is a CIA document that has been, you know, you can see right from CIA.gov. That's talking about exactly this. Project Aerodynamic. And a general point is that they got a a Nazi war criminal named Mykola Lebed. I got Mr. Mykola Lebed. And it's all in here. The guy literally was in a war camp in Poland. He's a war, Nazi war criminal, and he was he's say, basically rescued by the United States government. And they, may, they set him up in a company called Prologue Research in the United States. It's a publishing association group in the United States and in Ukraine. A Nazi was allowed to spread propaganda in the United States to Americans because the CIA armed him, funded him, and set him up in this location. Now, the point was they wanted to use this for their benefit. Now, they grew this fascism in Ukraine. It's all on the record. For the point at this time of stop the same thing they did in Afghanistan to to affect the Soviet Union. Now, obviously, things changed, but the agenda never went away. The Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, which is what they tapped into here, was kind of a fringe small thing. They grew this and became an open nationalist, but also very extremist neo-Nazi and Nazi elements to use in a lot of different ways. So just that's the first thing to understand here. This is not debatable. Now, what ended up happening, we can we can discuss all day long that this is just it's this was an old thing that went away. They don't have control over today. I don't believe that. And we'll go on. I'll go on to prove to you that they're very clearly affected and and influenced by the U.S. government. But just make sure you don't miss the reality. If the U.S. government was because, you know, going back even further to Operation Paperclip. The reality that all the Nazi scientists that were doing all the horrific experiments that they used, they pointed at to justify what they were doing. This later became NASA, became the fund, the, be- the bedrock of the U.S. in, in uh, research, as well as Dr. Ishii from Japan, who was working on all sorts of horrific bio manipulation, open live human experiments. And that became the basis for the bio research direction. All the terrible things you want to stop, you just absorb into yourself. That doesn't sound like a good guy to me. Either way, the point is that this is not new. So when they take a war criminal, a Nazi, who they they claim they're fighting, and they literally set him up in a company in the United States, well, that should give us some. should give you pause and ask what they're really trying to accomplish. Now, there's two things I'll include in here that at a different time that I recommend you watch. A really great interview I had with Douglas Valentine, entitled "The CIA's Dark and Criminal History in Ukraine and Around the World," where we go into this at length. It's a really good interview. It's important it's important to, it's important to uh, understand the length of this that's not just Ukraine. it goes much further than that. I got to get rid of that old dead super U post. And he's also done some really great work and I think read his books and I mean the guy's really on this stuff, so make sure you check this out. It's a good interview. We also did a great round table with uh, here I'll just let you see him. Myself, Eva Bartlett. And uh, UK Column News gu- uh, co- regular guest, Alex Thompson. And it was a really great discussion. I actually need to connect with Ava Bartlett again. I haven't connected with her in a while. But so th- it's a really good discussion about a lot of really in-depth. Alex Thompson goes off on some, ing- like for me, like I'm a nerd for this stuff. Like he, he goes into the deep background and the history and how it connects and ties together. And I know for some people that gets a little bit too much. But I love this because you understand the background. So make sure you check this out. It's entitled False Flags, PsyOps, and Propaganda. Well, you're not being told about Ukraine. Now, understanding if we know that the CIA and the US government have been doing this, that doesn't necessarily prove that they're involved in everything everywhere else, right? But we have to understand that you can continue to paint this picture going forward. So here we know that, you know, kind of post-invasion forward, we have Zelensky, who was around before, right? But realized before he was an actor, he was in a I think it's the one plus one media group. This is, a, a, like a media station or a, a news station owned by Ko, Ko, uh, Kolomoisky. Ko, Kolomoisky, who was the. Am I saying that right? I feel like I'm saying it wrong all of a sudden. Kol. That's frustrating. Hold on. I can't even know how to spell it, actually. i don't, probably bring it up. We'll see. Kolomoisky. Yeah, that's right. Okay. you're Kolomoisky to make sure I wasn't saying it incorrectly. So this guy is the chief financier of Zelensky's campaign. He also just so happens to be the chief financier of the Azov movement, who, despite all the ridiculous childish comments about people not being what they say, they're obviously neo-Nazis, they're obviously extremists, and so this guy is funding both of them. So how does that make sense? He's the Jewish president. They're, well, that doesn't. the idea that somebody Jewish can't be working with neo-Nazis is just ridiculous, seeing as how they were obviously Jewish collaborators during the war, right? This is a silly argument. But also this guy is Israeli, uh, former Ukrainian businessman. He's was, uh, the head of the World Jewish Congress. You know, this guy's clearly tapped in with the Israeli government. And he's also clearly tapped in with the Azov movement, which also, by the way, I didn't even bring up. Just another point for those that want to understand that that overlap. This is 2018, where you have human rights groups in Israel demanding that Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Literally, the Azov movement. So just realize it's how, how silly it is. There. Oh, I forgot. That, that page blocks me now. I'll try to include that when I'm done. But my point is, Zelensky linked to the Azov battalion, right, movement. Which Kolomoisky is the chief funder of both. And so when you realize that there's an an obvious connection to this that ties directly back to the CIA, you start realizing, okay, so this guy, whether he knows it or not, is being funded and armed and directed by intelligence. Because the Azov movement in its entirety is exactly that. So we can see things like this. Wyatt Reid points this out. For 18 months, we've been told that Nazis in Ukraine are just a figment of Putin's imagination. So why is their Jewish president posing for photos with this man? The person they pretend is he used to be the guy that ran the, uh, the creator of the Azov movement, uh, Audrey uh, uh, Belitsky. And he was the real bad one and everything's different since then, even though it's obviously not the case. But then you've got Zelensky literally taking photos with this person. So the overlap is obviously there, despite how they want to deny that there's a clear connection to open extremism, funded by people that are funding open, who tie directly back to all sorts of, oh, and the other point to remember, by the way, before I get past Kolomoisky, who is the owner of of the news station that Zelensky worked at funder of the Azov movement, chief backer of of Zelensky, but also owned the media station that Zelensky worked at beforehand. A fun little tidbit that people don't know is that the entire crew that worked with Zelensky at the news station later became his cabinet, or most of them. Because that usually is what happened, right? The camera guy becomes your chief of staff, right? That's pretty normal, right? Normal when you're running a wag the dog scenario, right? But we have to understand as well the bigger picture here, right? So it's easy to see the Azov movement, what's going on there for people that you know aren't blinded by propaganda to see that this is an, a dangerous element and to see that the U.S. I mean, obviously, on the record, the U.S. government is backing this element, funding what's happening there and has been for a long time, which I'll get into more in a second. But the real point about why I think this is a problem, as I was just recently talking about, is how this is growing inside the United States. That was always the plan, in my opinion. So this brings us to January 6th which is kind of one of these moments that I saw this really coming together. What I call the false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown battalion. So that is the important point for, for what I'm going to try to flesh out for most people here. I don't think it's hard to prove these people are dangerous and that they're being funded by the government. They're openly doing so today. But when you begin to realize what was really the plan, as far as I see it, to create this element there but seed it into the United States, and obviously you guys know where this is going from today, the conversation of these rare, these dangerous people in Florida. The idea is about seeding this into the United States under the guise of this is because of Russia. Or whatever bad guy they want to frame for this. Even though they're the ones funding it and you can show the receipts. In order to justify action against them. But also to take action against you because your government has always been afraid of you. Especially now, as we just talked about recently, yes, even uh, this was uh, just yesterday, in fact, the idea, if this even comes up, here we go, the FBI's secret war on the patriot movement, right? So if you've got a movement that's really, really outwardly outspoken about freedom and the Constitution and our right to have militias, right, that scares the government, always has. So my point is that if you have an obvious war against those people, what do you do? Well, you may, you, turn, you frame them as dangerous people. In fact, you not only frame them as extremists and Nazis and white supremacists, you do your best to actually create that, actually radicalizing people into the mindset that that is the freedom. Right. So you see the conversation out there, you fl- flood them with information that makes them feel like the, you know, like which, by the way, you can see genuinely happening where people are being now like on Twitter or in any conversation where you have the, it's okay to attack a white person or frame it that way or only white people can be racist. Now, these are, there's all sort of this stuff happening all over the place. Right. There's obvious racism against black people. You see police. I just saw a shooting where a black guy shot a pregnant woman, I think, and seemed wildly unjustified. Ridiculous. Right. So this it's not just one sided, but realize that the idea would be to create that impression to these people. So then they radicalize like what you want. They wanted to see in January 6th right? Where you get them to think, oh, you were stolen from, even though I think that is generally true. But they want them to act out in violence so that it can then frame them for what they want them to be. Now, this is where January 6th, obviously, it gets a lot more interesting when you realize that you can prove that there was influence from the CIA, from the FBI, from the Azov movement on January 6th, because they were trying to create exactly what we're talking about. Now, Whitney Webb and I had a great interview that you should definitely check out, entitled January 6th, the odds of Italian and the war on domestic terror. Oh, excuse me, you. That's what it's really about. But you realize before we get even fleshed out into that, this has been something that has been seeded into this country before this. I mean, you can go back even before this one, right? We have multiple examples now. The Buffalo shooter literally wore the, the Black Sun from the Azov movement and the, the Nazi symbol. And we have examples of, I think, the, the last two, in fact, I think the trans shooter and somebody else that were all saying something Ukraine or had a Ukraine patch. Like, that's not by accident, in my opinion. This is Buffalo shooter linked to the Azov movement as the clumsy Vanilla Ice agenda stumbles forward, right? You got this guy literally with the Azov patch on his bag. That's the New Zealand shooter. I mean, that how do, and this is very clear to me. Hero in Ukraine, Buffalo shooter. And by the way, in case you haven't seen this, this is how silly this narrative is. This is the uh, the Azov movement patch, right? Emblem of the neo-Nazi military unit, Azov battalion. This, in the middle, is the emblem of the Nazi SS military unit, the Second World War. It's literally the same thing, inverted. And they're they're, they're trying to tell you, it's the idea of a nation. (laughs) When you come up with that, 30 seconds after they asked you, And then here's the Black Sun Nazi symbol, which is in the background of those. So they literally combined two Nazi symbols. And this is the right sector emblem down there, which is also a very open neo-Nazi group. It's ridiculous. Obviously, this is exactly what you think it is. And they're just gaslighting everybody. My point was, I don't think any of this was meant to be clear. People like us have broken this down, and it's ruined the agenda. But it's still going forward. I think ultimately without us really realizing this, some of this would have been planted and left, like we're seeing here, to lead back to certain people. As they tried to do with these people here, we already went over this, watch this show right here. As I titled this one on April 8th, Vanilla ISIS is here, the CIA constructed illusion meant to demonize Russia and justify war on you. And the MAGA trap, which is also what I've been calling this, has been set. So, getting into the crux of the point for this, We've seen the Patriot front, I mean, dressed even literally in the same colors and style of the FBI, which is kind of silly, same facials, coverings, and now we just got a version of black and red doing the same thing. It's weird how they all have a very similar style, like that's very unusual, unless they're working together, which is what we're talking about, as well as the fact that the cops more than once, arrested these people, didn't take their backpacks off, didn't check their pockets. Nobody bought that. Police don't do that unless they're ordered not that they that's I mean, I mean, they'll, they'll go off on syringes in your pocket or do you have something that will stab people? not these people, though, They literally march them off. Don't even take their masks off and then later take the handcuffs off and let them march into the back of a U-Haul and drive away, which we all saw on video. Ridiculous. Azov further infiltrates the United States. We just talked about this guy. Christopher Polhas. The Libertarian Institute wrote about this. This is the point that we're getting into from today or the last couple of days. The blood tribe leader, Christopher Polhas. We literally just went over this showing you his connections back to everything we're talking about. That's why the first parts of these are important to understand how far this goes back and what it's really been doing. And who it ties to and the seeding and where the information comes from. So this guy, Scott Horton, points out they're going to fight with the Azov battalion and C14 on the Eastern Front. He literally responds and saying, yes, I, the, I did bring up the real tweet. It's a, this is really what he responded. Yes. So they're going to fight with the Azov movement. Okay. So first of all, you can recognize that these people are openly, sta- I mean, look, he's got a Nazi thing on his chest. So it's interestingly ridiculous how we can be saying bad guy Nazis. And these people are like, yay, Azov movement. And yet they can't connect that in their minds that you're funding the Yazov movement while telling us that that's, you're wrong, it's a Russian lie, while then going, yay, these guys are dangerous Nazis, and they're not only going to fight there, he is standing here with members of the Yazov movement. Let that sink in. <clears throat> now this says, Blood Tribe leader Christopher Polhas, a, mem- a former Marine, which is kind of common in this whole thing, who also goes by the Hammer, spoke on an overpass alongside members of both Blood Tribe and the Goyim Defense League, which is ridiculous, you remember, you remember that remember that complete clown handsome truth, the people that were scr- doing like the whole uh, named Jew and like jumping into your chats and trying to bomb these people are ridiculous. And I'm very convinced they were part of this whole thing trying to and we were saying that then about that and the way they were doing that. The point was I think they were their their mandate as far as I believe, was to go in your chats and make it look like you were full of people that were spreading hate. Because remember, even YouTube for a while was saying that you'd be accountable for things in your chat, your comments. So that's where I think that was an early side of this very thing. And now, now what do you know? The Goyam Defense League is literally part of what funded and set up this entire protest. Ridiculous. Dave, He asked Dave DeCamp, is this the guy who antiwar.com wrote about who was buying property in Maine to train the Azov movement? Yes. That's, this, this is the same discussion we went over this in this episode. They're literally building a location in Maine to train so they can go fight with the movement. But of course, the corporate media only covers it as bad Nazis in Maine. <laughs> Weird how they just casually leave out the group they're going to go fight with, the group that they're actively saying, yay, Azov, freedom. I mean, think about the willful ignorance that goes with, with per- choosing not to connect those dots. So here's, first of all, the clip of what he's saying. Now, I don't know. I I never try to be, you never know. It's hard to sell. just kind of tell based on the ways people act. Like maybe that's just, you know, whether it's fake or whether it feels like it's false. But I I feel the same thing when I watch this. It's like, it feels like this guy is playing a character. But that's obviously what I think all of this is. So maybe that's bleeding into my perception. But you tell me what you think. And then you're going to see a very, very important character in all this with his face completely tattooed. This, guy, this guy's name is literally Boneface. You've heard of him before. He was just recently fighting with the Azov movement in Ukraine. And we'll go over that next. Through your fucking self. So, oh, and I'm sorry, guys, I forgot. There's cussing. I, th- I kind of think that's obvious, but yes, there's cussing. So this gets brutal and rough instead of just the cussing and, you know, saying things that might be insulting and so on. So if you have children and you care about that, make sure you, you know, pause and come back to it. What does that mean? Does that mean violence? No,
0: it
3: doesn't
2: mean violence. And just so you know, guys, I mean, they're right there in, right in the beginning. Elling, you know, effing, N-word, just like screaming out, rant. I mean, why? <laughs> like, like, even if these people were oh, like just what we pretend that they really are, what they're supposed to be in this video. Like, what do you think the benefit of doing that is just you see just a black guy driving by in a car. And you're like, Rawr! you see, in my opinion, that's what they think of these people. That's what they want people to see them as, just blunt, ridiculous, clumsy, ignorant people that just can't, can't help themselves but scream a slur as a black guy drives by in a car. I mean, it's, it, it's, those people exist, but the fact that this organized, I mean, it feels very false to me.
0: All of our goals can be achieved nonviolently. The most violence is on your side. Subjugation of our race. That's what we stand against. The reason that you presuppose that there would be violence is because you are ready to use violence to stop us. When you say you,
2: Which by the way is just patently false. I mean you can literally look at what they do and what they're a part of, and they're blatantly violent. So that's not true, right? So why would he be lying about the fact of what he arguably is proud of? Because I think there's a very clear narrative being laid out here, right? Wait, wait, and we'll get into a clip that somebody—I think Dale sent us—to so we can or, uh, an article that gets into the fact that he's saying very important things about we don't even need our guns. Go ahead and take our guns, and then of course now they're trying to pass legislation that says you're not even allowed to train people on how to use guns because Nazis. We'll look at that. You and all
0: of the people on that side of the fence, white subjugators, you work for that team. Kites, jewelry. Capitalism, billionaires, that's your side. I know it's your side because you still have a job.
3: Christopher, there's a presidential race going on right now. Are you going to vote in 2024? What do you think is going to happen with My votes? vote is
0: useless. I think Biden's better than Trump
3: because he sends rockets to Ukraine.
2: <laughs> He's very proud of himself for that one. I mean, really? <laughs> Like, and that's just, that's just meant to spend, ever, send everybody spinning out, right? Oh, my God. Like, it just seems like a very politicized thing to say, right? Well, first of all, Trump would do and has done the same things to argue. I mean, Trump himself said he would end that immediately, which means he'd probably just, you know, anyway, the bottom line is that is saying that he, he sides with Biden because he sends rockets to Ukraine. Now, there's multiple ways you could play that is that obviously that's interesting because Biden, again, this is the absurd mental gymnastics of people that buy the narratives that are literally pretending to fight a war against domestic terrorism, fight a war against white supremacy, fight a war against Nazis, while literally funding all of those things, the leading example in the world today in Ukraine. I mean, that, it takes a special kind of stupid to not realize how ridiculous that is. You're literally funding Nazis while pretending you're fighting Nazis in this country. Or, I mean, it's really about, again, that's the bigger agenda, right? Because the people that think that's happening believe they're fighting that in this country. So then when the narrative becomes Russia's the reason we have these bad guys, all of it clicks in place for these people. I'm telling you guys, this has been very clear. Now, what is interesting, though, is that this is going to make people really, I think that was meant to get this a lot of attention. Because that is going to spin people out. <laughs> in support of Ukraine, you mean? Okay, so this guy right there in the background looks like he's out of some kind of sci-fi movie. His name is Boneface. And he has recently been fighting with the Azov movement. He's also Russian. And I think this is very clear to me what that ultimately means.
0: Hell, Ukraine! Hell, Aza! Slavu Ukraina. Hell, You mean? Hell, Ukraine! Hell, Aza! Slavu
2: Ukraine.
0: In, in it. support of Ukraine, you mean? Hell, Ukraine! Hell, Aza! Love Love yeah.
2: Tell me this, Christopher. Uh, you are you know, a sizable gathering, but fairly small. Yeah, not real. Oh. Just, everything about his movements, the smile, everything feels very fake to me. Like he's playing a character. Now, I'm not just saying that because I think these people are fake. Like, just, that's the very clear impression I get from the way he moves and the way that they're speaking. It's very like you could just argue that he has he wants to put on a show for the camera. That would feel that would probably feel the same way. But we should ask whether it's really about you know playing the role. How big
0: does this need to become, and how big do you see gathering? But fairly small. How big does this need to become, and how big do you see it becoming? Paint a picture of this movement. We just in have a to start time. a fire. We have to just start a fire. How do you do that? We're the kindling. And once we set the fire, we get the fire hot, then we get the rest of our brothers blazing. And how do you do that? Be the vanguard.
2: Stick up for ourselves. Stand up. Don't be afraid. Show no fear. See, and now this is getting very eerily similar to things that people say that are genuinely fighting for freedom. Right. So what it ultimately does is it creates this overlap to people that are like saying free speech and, you know, and, and, you know, like the I'm not saying, you know, I don't think anybody is saying stand up for yourself or somebody out there in this field. But what he's saying in general is very, it overlaps perfectly with the kind of sentiments that we're always putting out. Right. I I think that's the main point is then people that hear us speaking about free speech, constitutional rights, not, not being afraid of the government. They go, oh, that's, that's a Nazi then. So anybody that is that, you know, it's like that old meme, you know, the golden book that everyone I hate is a Nazi kind of a thing. And that's what that becomes. Be hey, um, what are you doing now, Christopher? Right- <laughs> just like Even just right there. Like he's playing some, he's like, it's like, it's like he's playing Vin Diesel on some movie. You know what I mean? Like, like you think he's trying the way he's hand? I don't know. I, I, I'll leave it alone. But that screams, it's just not real to me. Now, here, Ford Fisher, always doing great work on this. This, I mean, what's funny is there's people, act like, literally trying to act like he's some kind of, like he's part of this group because he's always there. This is what the guy does for a living. People are such assumers today. But it says, uh, again, more language, be careful. But today, the avowed Nazi blood tribe and going Defense League marched, in Orlando, chanting, Jews will not replace us. Well, what do you know? Do you remember where that was last? Became a very popular con- conversation. Do you remember? You should. It was in Charlottesville. Remember that? The Jews will not replace us. They were chanting. It turns out that was the predominantly the Rise Above Movement, which is the international arm of the Azov Movement. You've seen all this. I've shown it to you a thousand times. America's Rise Above Movement. Is the international arm of the Azov movement, according to one of the experts on the topic, who's Menko speaking to the news to Newsweek. I'll go back to this in a minute. All the links are in here for you to check out. That guy's got a white baklava on that. Isn't that what the Patriot front wears? Or are they just the same people? He just forgot to get the memo and brought the wrong one? (laughs) Probably. Jews will not
0: replace us! Jews will not replace
2: us! Jews Jews will not not replace us! us. This is ridiculous. Okay. So the point is there's an obvious overlap here. Very clearly. Right. So if these people believe all this stuff, they're obviously disgusting human beings. But I really don't believe that ultimately this like I bet you most of them are probably just disgusting people. But these are just like any other group like we're talking about in Syria, the moderate rebels. Like there are largely people that are involved there that just either want to be able to do bad things or actually believe in the lie they're sold by the CIA. But at the top, they are usually led by people that don't even believe any of it. We've heard that directly from people in the Saudi Arabian government saying that about the stuff in the Middle East. Oh, and then here, this is what we're seeing everywhere else, right? You get politicians going Nazis in in this area, screaming, "We are everywhere." This is in this is in Altamorn, uh, Alt- uh, Altamont Springs at Cranes Roost Park. Absolutely disgusting stuff, and another example of the far right extremism growing in Florida, right? See how that works. Is it really growing, or are you just seeing these small little patches of groups pop up, staging little fake things? And they then it becomes white supremacy everywhere, well, because that's the big narrative right now, and that gives them more power and more ability to shut you down and more foreign funding. It gives them everything. I'm not saying there's not. I mean, like, the bottom line is, guys, there's already laws. If people are breaking laws, hold them accountable. To try to argue all of a sudden that this is, you, you know, what 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 are they trying to say here? What they're really trying to say here is that this is a bad ideology that we disagree with. Therefore, we have to take action that goes above the law to stop them. And you may even agree with that. I also think these are disgusting people, but they have the right to free speech. Everything about this is always about moving that line a little closer to being able to remove your or no longer acknowledge your constitutional rights because of fearmonger, because of scaremonger, because of whatever justification in the moment. Well, Herzberg gets, you know, the interesting part about, what's his name, uh, uh, McLean. This Ashley says, I want to know how much the feds paid this guy to come out of maximum security prison. What's funny, by the way, this is Ashley St. Clair. Huge account. You know, and they share a lot of information. It's the kind of the right wing stuff. But, you know, this guy, he wasn't in prison. Like, I wish these people would, you know, I, I shouldn't insult anybody. But, I, you know, there's, a, there's an important story here. And then this this becomes, oh, he's a Fed because she said so kind of a thing. But the truth is that he is, which, by the way, I also think he's clearly an asset, but he was just in Ukraine. That's the bigger point here. But, of course, a lot of the right does seem to support that for some reason. But as it says here in 2016, Kent McCle- McClellan, a Florida man whose Iron March profile described him as a skinhead, ongoing 16 years, politician and military, militarist fascist. A, a, a message the forum's founder, a Russian named Alexander Slavos, attempting to smooth over his courtesy among members concerning Ukraine conflict, McClung claimed that he was the former leader of the misanth- misanthropic, misanthropic division in the United States, adding, I will work closely with the D.U.K. on foreign recruitment and such. Needless to say, not too many people get through. Doesn't sound like an pat a, 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 this guy's involved, right? And here, here is the point of where you remember this from. American neo-Nazi outlines crimes of Ukrainian colleagues, November 24th, 2022. Now that is him. He's just gotten more. This is an old picture. If you look him up, he's gotten increasingly more and more of them as he, you know, she, I don't know, gets more involved, but the, you can, you should read this. There's not that long, but the, the, the overall point is, and this is where he see the interview with Boneface, real name Kent, Kent McClellan. They see the same one here. Yeah, so I thought, the point, they're doing everything you think they are, right? They're, they're murdering people. They're, they're nailing Russians to the wall. I mean, it's horrible stuff. He goes over all of this stuff. We went over this an entire show. He went and joined the right sector and worked with them to hurt people in Donbass. Like So my point is, that's what we're not supposed to hear. So the only way this would ultimately make sense to me is if this is somebody who is saying all of these things because you're going to try to later claim that he's a Russian asset. And all the bad things that happened were because Russia, bad guy Nazis. Or you can, I mean, I'm just theorizing that you guys can decide what you think it means. But either way, here's a guy who was just in Ukraine with the Azov movement who's going, yeah, they're, they're murdering people. They're even going to talk about the Maidan coup and the lies about all of that. All the stuff we're telling you. And they all know that. Just like every other situation, the U.S. government yells lies at you, and you can listen to the people in the area they're lying about, and they're going, no, that's not true. We like to kill people. It's like it's right on the surface. Sort of like when the Israeli government says we'll never allow a two-state solution, and Biden stands up and says they want a two-state solution. It's like we just said that'll never happen. So people who listen to Biden about what Israel wants get an entirely different story than what Israel says they want. Isn't that interesting? Same thing here. I believe these people are doing horrible things because they're being paid and driven to do so and then also hiring and absorbing any other negative, terrible people that come along to be a part of it while calling them all freedom fighters. Jim Hansen points out, we're paying to fund Nazis in Ukraine. Now they're sending them here. This is the point, guys. This is where it all comes together. Here he is with his Azov badge. That's him. That's him. And that's him. Okay, it's pretty simple. Okay, so he's with the Azov movement. The simplest conclusion, first of all, is that that's Nazis working with the Nazi group or neo-Nazis and the U.S. government is funding neo-Nazis, which is exactly what people at the basest level are understanding. But even more than that, though, when you realize the connection to what they're really doing and what they originally planned, and now he is in the United States with a Nazi flag and a a neo-Nazi group that they're now all writing about, saying Nazis are everywhere. You see that? Now, why would the CIA do that without some kind of an agenda? Well, you could argue just as simply trying to use it against Americans, but I truly believe it's a bigger picture here. But even this, like, fine. if you want to just remove Russia from the situation, this is an easy way to remove your guns, to remo- to put more control on you, to, stu- to stifle your speech, based on the idea that you're all a bunch of Nazis when they're the ones literally funding, arming, and seeding them into this country from a group they're arming across the country, or across, you know, in, in Ukraine. And then BK chimes in saying Charlottesville had Azov planted too. I just said, you're right. This is a very important piece piece of the larger story. You're absolutely right. Which brings us to these articles. The Azov Battalion tie to Charlottesville and the CIA. So we can see that one of the earliest moments in the whole right-wing, white supremacy, neo-Nazi, they will not replace us, replacement theory kind of push, it all began with Charlottesville. Even the conversation of cars hitting protesters and stuff, that all kind of started there too. And when you realize that the group, the largest part of this, the Rise Above movement, Robert Rundo, that was the largest group that was funding and behind what happened in Charlottesville is literally the international arm of the Azov movement, which I was showing you before. We also, and we went over this more than once, in fact, Ukraine-CIA ties to the Unite the Right rally. Watch both of them. There's lots of good information in there. Now, before actually, before we even get into that one, here are some points that you can look, and all the links are in here. It's very important stuff. Links to Newsweek. Actually, I'll just show you this one directly from the site since I was making that point. All right, where is it? Here we go. So the guy they're talking to here, and what's funny about this? This is this is Jan- January 5th, 2022. So a month, like right before, a month before this kicks off, they're literally going, oh no, white, white supremacists and Nazis are going to fight with Ukraine. And then they kind of just don't talk about that after that. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous how blatant that was. Oops. And then oh, the one part I want to read to you is, that, and this guy's name is Kuzmenko, who they're, they're you know regarding as kind of an expert on the topic. And what he's saying is, one, that they're all ever than you think they are, right? For, but then secondly, saying that they are the Azzaw's political wing, the National Core Party, describes, described by researchers as neo-Nazi. He's saying the movement has gone international. Now, when you try to pretend like this is a small little battalion that went away, that's completely contradictory when you're arguing that they got so big that they went international, right? So they lied to you, and they're still lying to you. They went international on multiple fronts, with known contacts in Germany's uh, neo-Nazi third path, which we'll get, I think I've been saying, uh, oh no, I've been saying third path and then then Italy's Casa Pound. Now, the third path shows up in another discussion overlapping with these people, tying it all back together we'll get to in a second. All of these are the Azov movement on international places around the world. And the American part, the rise above movement, simple as that. So we know this. If we know the rise above movement is the Azov movement, and the Azov movement is funded by the CIA and grown and cultivated by the CIA, wherever that was. Right here. Well, it becomes pretty simple, doesn't it? We know that that's a connection. Whether you think it again, they could have, they could have lost control, but that is their entity that became part of what is being used to justify an attack on largely Republicans or really just anybody. Uh, you know, challenging the narrative. I think that's important to understand. It's not just only Republicans. Like they call me a Republican when they want to frame me as being part of whatever they're saying, even though it's not true. And then we also have important documents. This is directly from the FBI saying that the, and this is important when you understand that the person, Olenia Semenka, who you still hear today, she's the one that went around the world gaining this international clout. A post containing a photograph of Rise Above Member, a Rise Above Member. Rise of Puff movement members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy, all the international locations. So not only that, but the the U.S. arm of it was going around all the other places. Meeting with Olin Semenka, the leader of the International Department for the National Corps, which is a political party in the Ukraine that was founded in 2016 out of a regiment of the Azov Battalion. So again, it didn't go away, became, and they try to pretend like that's where it went away, but no, it went international, it got political, they have the police force, they got political parties, they've got all sorts of stuff. It says, I know that the Azov battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and the use of Nazi symbolism. Now, they've grudgingly admitted this after the fact, but they said that was fake news when this started, and which is believed to have prescribed. Uh, Participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations. It's as plain as day. That's from the FBI. Right here is a uh, this was a uh, ForeignPolicy.com article written by a CIA agent saying a Yahoo News report in January described a covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. That's the Azov movement in 2015. We also have John Stoltenberg from NATO openly admitting that, yeah, we were there training him in 2014. It's all falling apart. Now, we also have to remember that in 2016, as it says here on the Nation article, Congress has removed a ban on not funding neo-Nazis. Think about how ridiculous it is, first of all. That They remove a ban. They have an entire bill about stopping the fund. They removed this last second, don't say anything. Under pressure from the Pentagon, Congress stripped the spending bill of an amendment that prevented funds from going to the hands of these groups because that's their entity. Why else would you why else would they quietly step in and go, no, no, no we have to fund them because they want to fund them. It's pretty simple. Now in the 2018, there was another effort to stop them, which they effectively put forward, but then they still armed them anyway. So right now, we're at a point where they're still funding them, but that literally breaks their own law. But they don't care. They don't care about the law anyway. Then, of course, the la- oh no, that was all of them right there. So these are just, I put this out when I was using this account. Verifiable facts. U.S. Congress made sure the AZA Battalion would get arms in 2016. CIA has trained them since 2015. FBI verified that the AZA Battalion was neo-Nazi and immersed with their government and that those in Charlottesville were their U.S. faction. All of this is on the record. So, bringing it back to January 6th, we also now have evidence of an Azov movement member in, on the ground to January 6th, yelling things in Russian. Now, all, a lot of this stuff has been off the cuff, but everything is sourced. Everything in each one of these shows I'm showing you is linked and sourced to everything we're saying. And he is right next to, you know, Mr. Jake with the horns. And he's there on the record going, let's go, let's go, guys, yelling things in Russian as a member of the Azov movement, as a Ukrainian. Now, yeah, they tend to speak both languages, but you have to realize when you draw all this back and realize that he's part of a group that is armed by the CIA that was meant to blame Russia, it kind of falls together when you realize they were there screaming things in Russian, and there were even little quiet st- points about why Russia was involved with January 6th. Very, very clear. This one's titled January 6th was always a very clear government operation. Now, this gets this is where it gets very, very interesting for me. First of all, we already talked about this one from The Intercept. The founder of the Russian Volunteer Corps, Denis Kaputstin, or rather known as uh, Nikitin, is another, another name he uses. I think it was Nikitin. Uh, yeah, Nikitin. He's also known as White Rex. Now, the leader of this anti-Putin Russian Volunteer Corps is publicly connected to Robert Rundo, the creator of the Rise Above movement, and Christopher Polhas, the guy you just saw standing out front with the Nazi sign. So you have obvious connections to all of these people. The right there isn't right there is enough for me to understand that there's connections between the guy standing there telling you that Jews will not replace us and then directly tied back to the founder of the Rise Above movement who was marching through Charlottesville saying the same thing, who all of which are tied back to the Azov movement who is armed funding created by the CIA. That's pretty simple. The Russian Volunteer Corps, RVC and its leader, Denis Kapustin, for years, Kapustin has maintained public links with two notorious American neo-Nazis, Robert Rundo, Rise Above Movement, and Christopher Polhas, an ex-Marine and leader of the group that terrorizes drag events in the U.S. Because that makes sense, right? It's just so stupid. So you have two very clear assets here. And then you have the group that is very a, a anti-Putin Russian volunteer corps that has all the same ties to the larger agenda that we've already gone over. While Kapustin has been a regular fixture for years among European extremists, he gained minor popularity among American neo-Nazis when starting a co-hosting a podcast with Robert Rundo, a Charlottesville defender or defendant. Very interesting to me. Now, Whitney Webb wrote an excellent article on March 2nd, 2022, that really breaks this down. Now, the one point that stood out to me from her writing in particular, you really should read the whole thing. This was exactly the same conversation Ukraine and the new Al Qaeda, because that's what this is. And we'll even get into the group called The Base, which is literally the translation of Al Qaeda into English, who is a group that works out of Russia, former US intelligence person, but suddenly realized I'm a white supremacist and I hate, I hate the United States and I'm going to side with Russia. Really, it's really that simple. But here's what she said about how this is working out. So right now we've got a, I, I believe they've already kind of shifted away from this group, the Russian imperial movement, but we're already seeing things pop back up. But originally, the Russian imperial movement was the argument from early on that was the reason these Nazis were seeding into Ukraine. They were all saying this early on, and I'll show you the, directly from their own statements here, but that they're the bad guy. That the Azov movement, oh, that they, they stopped being bad a while ago, but the Russian imperial movement, which there's basically no evidence for, which is definitely a bad group, by the way, but in the sense of what they're saying, is the real problem. But since then, with our work and plenty of others, this narrative has completely collapsed. But here's what they were trying to set in the beginning of this. This is a, this is a quote from uh, a guy named, uh, where is it? Graf, Where's his full name? Eric Graff, the editor of Politico. And he writes, <clears throat> in recent weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, one second. He writes, in recent weeks, the State Department, for the first time, formally designated a white supremacy organization, the Russian Imperial Movement, which I always found hilarious, is RIM, whereas RAM is the international arm of the Azov Movement. They designated Russian Imperial Movement as a terrorist organization, which was kind of unprecedented when it's happened, in part because it's trying to train and seed adherents around the globe Inspiring them to carry out terror attacks. Okay, so that's, as far as I can tell, the Russian Imperial Movement is not even a fraction of what we're seeing with groups like the Azov Movement and the Operation Aerodynamic or Project Aerodynamic game with the Patriot Front and with all of these people, or even just the Azov Movement alone. But it's interesting that they were saying that this group was trying to seed the globe with their ideology. You know who's also saying that? The Azov Movement. That's quite literally what he was pointing at right here. The historic mission of our nation in this critical moment, and this is the leader, the founder of the Azov movement. The historic mission for our nation in this critical moment is to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade for their survival. A crusade against the Semite led, I uh, forget what that word stands for, you know, just an insulting word for towards the people they hate. And the point that they then go on to literally say, we will spread the white race around the world. That's what the Azov movement is proudly putting forward. So, again, it's sort of like when they. Pretend they say what, you know, Israel wants two state solution, and they don't, they're saying over here we'll never want that. Same game's happening here. Azov movement is saying we want to do this. And the US government says, No, no, you're wrong. They're they're freedom fighters. You're wrong. That's Russian lies. And that's it. Simple. Even though you could literally show them on video saying it, they just go, Oh, fake news. Fake news. That's clumsy. Okay, so we have an example here all early back in the beginning of this where they're trying to lay out the Russian side of it as the one doing that. That's pretty simple. Graff then adds that, quote, there are serious and explicit warnings about this coming from U.S. government and foreign officials that eerily echo the warnings that came about for Al-Qaeda before 9-11. Yeah, we've also talked about this quite a bit. Conversation, I think I've actually deleted that clip. Let me see if I still have it. You know, where they're kind of telling you that, you know, we see something coming and we just don't know how to stop it. It's the kind of, That was where Whitney and I talked about this in the election special where they were kind of building the idea that there's this dangerous thing happening. And, you know, they're not really breaking the law, but we don't know how to stop. Right. So their point was, we need to remove their rights because they're not really breaking rules, but they want to or something. It's very flimsy. But the point was that this was government telling you this. Now, why do we trust what they're telling you when they've lied to you about everything our entire lives? I don't know. But they're the ones seeding this narrative. The U.S. government saying, bad guy, Russian imperial movement. Doesn't mean they're, not, they're wrong, but we should question that for sure. The quote, this quote from Ray, oh, the quote is right here, saying, uh, it's not just the ease and the speed with which these attacks can happen, but the connectivity that the attacks generate. One uh, unstable, disaffected actor hunker down alone, that's the whole lone shooter, you know, independent white guy shooter kind of concept, in his mom's basement, of course, (laughs) so funny, in one corner of the country, getting further fired up by similar people halfway, half a world away. That increases the complexity of domestic terrorism cases. All that really comes down to is we're pretending that Russia around the world is influencing you because you acted out based on X, Y, and Z. Not they don't even they don't need to prove any of that. It's just a simple statement. Going forward, it says this quote from Ray was first published in a piece Graph, the edit the from Politico had written a month prior to publishing his political piece. The focus of that interview centered around domestic terrorism in the United States with extensive discussion about the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing and the Russian Imperial Movement. In that article published in Wired, the State Department's coordinator for counterterrorism Nathan Sales characterized that that movement as a quote terrorist group that provides paramilitary-style training to neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Starting to sound familiar? And it plays a prominent role in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into a common front against their perceived enemies. I mean, that is literally the identical statement framing as the Azov movement right now. Because that was the point, I think. The Russian Imperial Movement, or RIM, R-I-M, advocates for the reestablishment of the pre-1917 Russian Empire, which is what they're saying that Russia is trying to do around the world. Again, where the Azov movement is the one saying the exact same kind of thing. And I'm, I'm telling you, these overlaps are not by accident. One second.
3: in my throat
2: so you could argue that's what russia wants to do but they've never said that there's no real indication they're even acting to do that i'm not i'm not saying it's not true i don't know but to say that they know it's true is pretty childish because there's no indication whatsoever you can't just say the clearly goaded and poked in the eye response to invade ukraine was because they want to invade the world yeah, that's. I mean, if you want to make that argument, you can very clearly look at the other side of this and say, well, it's weird how they keep occupying and destroying countries for freedom. Maybe that means they want to invade and conquer the world. Well, one makes a lot more sense than the other, but you can question both. You should. But the idea that they would just clumsily lay that over them because that's what they want them to think and as there's no indication of that. But yet the groups that they're arming and funding are the ones literally saying and doing that or saying they want to do that begins to show you that I think that this was meant to be laid at the feet of Russia. The the Russian imperial movement was allegedly responsible, Whitney continues, for training a bomber whose acts resulted in no deaths in Sweden from 2016 to 2017. The bomber, Victor Mellon, was not an active rise above, dang it, I keep doing that, I I do that every time, Russian imperial movement member, but was reportedly trained by them that's the connection. And we and he conducted two of his three bombings with an individual completely unaffiliated with the Russian Imperial Movement. Yeah, they're but they're getting all the blame. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> Mellon was, however, a member of the Nordic resistance movement at the time, a group that didn't get any recognition for it. A few years later, in April 2020, the Russian Imperial Movement became the first white supremacist group to be labeled a specially designated globalist terrorist entity by the U.S., of course, despite not being tied to an act of terror since 2017, and despite those previous acts resulting in no deaths. The point being, there's groups that are far worse than that, that you can easily see. The acts of terror cited as justification by then Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, of course, Mr. We Lie, We Cheat, We Steal Pompeo, were those uh, perpetuate, excuse me, Did I misspell that? Huh. Oh, I'm sorry. I've It's weird when you get a word stuck in your mind. Perpetrated. I For some reason, I was thinking perpetuated. I couldn't get it in my head. In any case, put forward that by then, you know, by Mike Pompeo, who, who were those perpetrated by Mellon. However, the Nordic resistance movement, of which Mellon was an active member at the time of the bombings, didn't receive the label, it didn't even get included, even though it was significantly larger in terms of membership and reach than the Russian imperial movement. I mean, that's just basic logic right there. They, they, you may argue they just think Russia is more dangerous, but at the end of the day, this is an unprecedented move that nobody, as it says right there, the decision to label them this way was considered unprecedented. So you're, I, I think you already see why this is—they're they're laying the groundwork here, creating the straw man to be late to pretend this is where it's all coming from. It has since been claimed that the group now numbers in, the, sev- in, in the, the several thousands worldwide, though little publicly available evidence exists to support that that claim, and that statistic notably only emerged roughly a month after the U.S. terror designation and originated from a U.S. based institute. <laughs> what do you know? Now, I'm not saying it certainly could be true. But that, if you ever want a reason to question something, it's right there. A U.S.-based institute that lies about whatever they want them to lie about at the time, or the idea that the stats only became visible after they called them what they wanted them to be. There are also no statistics available on the number of individuals they have allegedly trained via their paramilitary arm known as the Imperial Legion. You know, where there is a lot of evidence of exactly that process, where people go overseas and train with them and get funding? The Azov movement. Per the U.S. government, she continues, the Russian imperial movement's reach is global and extends to the U.S. See, there's no real evidence of that, but you could prove that with the Azov movement right now, as we just did. She goes on, however, its U.S. ties are based on dubious allegations of a relationship with none other than the Waffen division, who, by the way, is directly tied to the Azov movement. And it says, with Otto Waffen Division's Russian affiliate and a personal relationship with the 2017 Unite the Right rally organizer, Matthew Heimbach. So not only do you have a direct connection with the the Unite the Right rally Charlottesville discussion, you also have a connection with the Otto Waffen Division, all of which is connected back to the Azov movement. So you're talking about people that are this kind of phantom entity. And yet, even if you think they're separate and the biggest end the problem, they're still directly tied back to something funded right by the CIA. Now, we're going to get into the fact that Russia is actively, I'll I'll read what he's writing, but the point is they want it to seem like Russia's okay with this group. In any U.S. paper you'll read, they let them do whatever they want. It's just not true. You can prove the opposite. But I'll make a point when I get there. It goes, however, this again is based on the allegations, not direct evidence, mind you, that Heimbach Received funds from the Russian Imperial Movement. Heimbach's group, the Traditionalist Workers' Party, had been inactive since 2018, two years before the U.S. designation for the Russian Imperial Movement. It is also alleged that the Russian Imperial Movement offered to train each other to train other Unite the Right figures through the Russian Imperial Movement, and the white supremacist who supposedly received this offer denied the reports. That's interesting. Furthermore, there remains no evidence of any U.S. citizen ever participating in paramilitary training with the Russian imperial movement. Sounds like it's in a global international scare. Sounds like it's not real. This con- this contradicts Nathan Sales April 2020 claim that the Russian imperial movement plays, quote, a prominent role in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into a common front against their perceived enemies. You know what does sound like that? This. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to far to far right to fight Russia. I mean, everything they're writing is that they're they're all going to train and the, the fight groups and everything they're talking about in order to train a common front against their perceived enemies. I mean, that is like right out of the Azov movement book. Despite the lack of evidence, left leaning, nonpartisan, and even and right leaning think tanks have continued to use the Russian imperial movement as proof of a large, interconnected, transnational network of violent white supremacists. Left, right, non the the government. That's the point. When you see the full agenda, it's never partisan, guys, because it's not real. They play you with the two-party illusion. It seems odd that a group that is apparently small and very limited in terms of its presence in the United States, and that is responsible for no deadly terror attacks, would earn the honor of becoming the first U.S.-designated white supremacist specially designated global terrorist entity. Makes no sense at all, in fact. This is, unless you, what we're saying, this is especially true when the act cited as justification for the designation were committed by a member of a different, larger group, a group that did not receive the designation at the time or in the years since. Makes sense of that. However, in the context of current events in Ukraine, the 2020 designation of the Russian imperial movement begins to make more sense, at least from the U.S. national security perspective. Russian imperial movement is alleged, alleged to support separatists in Ukraine's Donetsk and Lukansk region since 2014 and has been described by the US as an ant, as anti-Ukrainian. It's just so stupid. So literally you've got these people that you I mean look, you I think you can easily prove that the Russian imperial movement is a as a neo-Nazi group. Right? They're they're very extremist, they're racist, they're disgusting people. But the point is that they were fighting on the side of the Dun, the, the Donbas people that were fighting what we can see as the Russians or excuse me as the as the as the Nazis. The open embodiment of what we're pointing out here today. So I don't know how you frame that, but at the very least, it seems like an interesting dynamic. So what it could mean is that the Russian imperial movement is not what they're claiming they are. But again, even Russia says that they're a bad group. So you can decide for yourself. But what you can see is that they were fighting on the side of the people that were literally being ethnically cleansed. So that says something. But it says these regions are at the center of the current conflict and is most recently escalated last month. And again, this was written, you know, right, right, right after this started The U.S. government and pro-Western think tank lists the Russian imperial movement's first attack as its involvement in the conflict in eastern Ukraine. According to Stanford University's Center for International Security Cooperation, the number of fighters sent by or trained by the Russian imperial movement in eastern Ukraine is unknown. Though one report states Russian imperial movement sent, quote, groups of five to six fighters from Russia to eastern Ukraine in mid-June 2014. That is the only report we have. The Russian imperial movement's paramilitary arm, the Imperial Legion, has not been active in Ukraine since January 2016. However, some reports have asserted that, quote, some individuals opted to stay and continue fighting. Claims have also been made in more recent years that the Russian imperial movement members have fought in Syrian conflicts and Libya on the side of, uh, of Haftar. So there's all sorts of, and you could argue these groups aren't even controlled by anybody the Russian imperial movement, maybe they're just doing what the bottom line is. You can clearly see the side that's continued to play that role. What they're claiming this group is that we're not even being talked about right now is clearly playing the role as the Azov movement. Clearly. Now, of course, you could try to frame them as however you want really to play the role. But at the end of the day, you can see that the Russian government is fighting against the obvious funded bad, you know, CIA funded entity here. That does not mean that Russia is a good guy. But it simply means we have to understand where this funding is going and what they're trying to accomplish. And it's being waged against you as well. Following this, quote, first attack, Stanford's CISAC claims that from 2015, to 2020, they have been, quote, building a transnational network. Though, as previously noted, their success in that endeavor is based on reports of dubious authenticity and or significance, particularly in the United States. However, their alleged role on the side of separatists in the Donbass has been used by U.S. think tanks to argue that the Russian imperial movement advances Moscow's policy agendas, which they say include, quote, seeking to fuel white supremacist extremists in Europe and the United States. So here's my point, guys. They're trying to say that's what the Russian government is trying to do, even though that's the verbatim statement by the uh, by the I shouldn't say verbatim, but the statement by the Azov movement that they want to do exactly that. Some think tanks in the U.S. like Just Security have used the Russian imperial movement to argue that Russia's government plays a major role in the transnational white supremacy due to a a mutual affection between Western white supremacists and the Russian government. They claim that because Russia tolerates the Russian imperial movement presence domestically, quote, the Kremlin facilitates the growth of right wing extremism in Europe and the United States that exacerbates threats to the stability of democratic governments. You see? It's a global agenda. That's what they want you to think. However, what Just Security fails to mention is that the Russian imperial movement has vocally opposed and protested against Putin's government. Now, of course, you could argue that's all a big show, but it has been labeled an extremist group by the Russian government. Still, you could argue that and has even had its offices raided by the Russian police because of their opposition to Putin's leadership. Okay, so all of that aside... <laughs> You could still argue that behind it all is a big show and is secretly doing that. But what you would need is, you know, evidence, not U.S. think tanks saying here's what they're doing and then going, well, because they're there, we know that's what they're really doing. Couldn't you just argue the Russian imperial movement is doing what they want to do? All of the actions on the surface make it clear that they're not working together. Now, again, maybe they are and we don't see it. But my point is there's not. A body of evidence that shows that they're exactly working with Putin. They're just going wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know because they're bad guys. That's the kind of BS we get from these people. It's frustrating. As we have an entirely open neo-Nazi group that they're funding and arming, murdering people in Donbass, and they're going, no, you're wrong. That's it. End of story. We disagree. Fake news. Notably, Just Security's advisors included former CIA deputy director, <clears throat> End Event 201 participant, Avril Haynes, as well as former Deputy Chief of Staff to Hillary Clinton at the State Department, Jake Sullivan. You know, it's, not, it's totally not, not, not like the CIA could influence the outcome. Well, obviously, guys, Haynes and Sullivan now serve as Biden's de- de- Director of National Intelligence, i.e., the top intelligence officials in the country and Biden's National Security Advisor, respectively. Think about that, guys. So the people that are seeding this conversation turn out to be CIA connected and are now running intelligence for the country. Gee, that's pretty easy to see. Now, she writes, as a result of the current escalation of events in Ukraine, it appears inevitable that the effort to use the Russian imperial movement or some other form in the same agenda, but some other Russian entity to paint Russia as a driving force behind transnational white supremacism are due to resurface. This effort appears to have as one one of its goals, the minimization minimization of the role that neo-Nazi groups like the Aza Battalion the neo-Nazi paramilitary unit embedded with Ukraine's National Guard, or bigger than that now that we know that, are actively playing in the current hostilities. <clears throat> now, you could argue that's the way to go, that they would simply ignore the Azov movement and point to what they're doing. But I, again, I think what we've seen develop since then is that they always meant to blame what Azov became on what Russia was doing there. That's just my opinion. But I think the evidence becomes clear when you look at all of what we're going to read next mostly. But it goes on to say even the FBI, though more publicly concerned with about rise above Russian imperial movement, has been forced to admit that U.S.-based white supremacists have cultivated ties with the group, with the bureau stating in 2018 indictment that Azov, quote, is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations. So how do you not, how do we miss this? It's. I mean, really, it could just ultimately be that the Azov movement just became the group they decided to use. And then because we destroyed the narrative that they're tied to the CIA, it's just kind of floundering right now. But how everything they laid out with pointing at Russia because of this group is what the Azov movement is doing. Training everything. It says, in contrast, there remains no proof of any concrete ties of a single U.S. citizen to the Russian imperial movement. It seems that the CIA is determined to create yet another self-fulfilling prophecy by breeding the very network of global white supremacy that intelligence officials have claimed is the next big threat after the COVID crisis. The injection of the the group Russian imperial movement into the narrative should also be of concern. It seems plausible, given the pre-conflict terror designation for the group and its allies alleged past ties to the Ukrainian conflict that a CIA-trained Ukrainian insurgent perhaps like the Azov movement or the equivalent, would willingly pose as a member of the Russian imperial movement, allowing the Russian imperial movement to be labeled as the new Al-Qaeda, with its base of operations conveniently located in Russia and its presence there tolerated by Moscow, even though that's clearly not true. It certainly would serve the the now rather pervasive narrative equating Putin with Adolf Hitler, In the wake of Russia's decision to launch its military campaign in Ukraine, it would also serve to launch in earnest the up until now largely dormant war on domestic terror, the infrastructure for which was launched by the Biden administration when this was written last year. While January 6th was used to equate support for the former President Donald Trump with neo-Nazism and white supremacism, recent articles have been have followed Russia's recent military campaign against Ukraine, deliberately link this Putin-as-Hitler narrative with U.S. Republicans. U.S. conservatives have long been the focus of domestic terror, fear-mongering over the past several years. They are also, incidentally, the majority of gun owners. It's hard not to see that. Now, as we show you some more examples, this is from Combating Terrorism Center, written in 2022. There's a couple of good examples in here. First, it just says, it is structured around National Core political party, that the U.S. State Department identified as a national hate group. So right now, as they're telling you, no, no, it's just the National Core, and it's not, they call, they themselves designated a hate group in 2018. This is how stupid they think we are. The Azov movement figures, for example, have had personal ties with the members of the Autumn Waffen Division. There you go. That's what I've been telling you. It's the same point. So that ties back to all of them. All of them are connected. Christopher Polhas, the rest of these groups, they're all tied right back, whether they know it or not, to CIA funding. The base... Oh, so that's the same sentence. So the point is, and they're all connected. The Azov movement has personal ties with the Autumn Waffen Division, the base, the Rise Above Movement, and other extremist networks. Those connections are real, says the Combating Terrorism Group. Well, that's important to understand. You know why? Because the base is one of the most obviously transparent PSYOPs I've ever seen. The base's goal, here it is again, is to unite the white nationalists for the coming war that will overthrow the government and reshape society. It's just another way to say the same thing they keep trying to say. The name, the base, is literally the English translation of Al-Qaeda. Two on the nose. The base heavily draws inspiration from the Ottawa division. And who who runs this? Oh, Ronaldo Nazaro. Remember who he is? In 2014, Nazzaro reportedly worked with the U.S. forces in the Middle East on counterterrorism measures. Nazaro had top-secret clearance and was among a group that briefed special forces officers in the Middle East on military targeting and counterterrorism efforts. Nazaro reportedly claimed to have, been com- to have completed multiple tours in Afghanistan, Iraq. He has since denied ever putting on a uniform. In 2012, Nazzaro married a Russian woman and moved to New York City. Or, excuse me, married a Russian woman in New York City and moved to Russia. He and his wife moved to St. Petersburg with their children in 2018. Interesting timing overlap. Exactly what we were just talking about. The Russian imperial movement, the time frame, it's all the same. After Nazaro posted letters online from the DHS where they thanked him for his service. DHS confirmed Nazaro's employment. Even though weirdly for a moment he denied the uniform, right? Like, So there's this is... A guy's got top secret clearance. He's a member of the Department of Defense. Multiple tours. Top secret clearance. And then just goes, oh, I want to be white supremacist today. I'm going to wake up and move to Russia. I mean, that... And, and name yourself the tra- English translation of the base, or of, the, of Al-Qaeda. It just, it seems stupid. Okay, so bringing that back to the main point. This is a like government funded, this is westpoint.edu, combating terrorism. Again, it's from, it's 2022 even. They're literally telling you, the base has direct personal connections with the Azov movement, and the Azov movement is funded by the CIA. Okay? And by the way, here's what's funny about it. I mean, as it originated, you don't need to hide the Azov movement directly funded by the U.S. government right now. So if the U.S. government is funding the Azov movement right now, and they're directly tied to the base, who's pretending to be a group in Russia, well, work that out for yourself. It's pretty damn stupid. The uh, the Azov movement and other Ukrainian units with extremist links are believed to still be the destination for some foreign extremists today. Well, yeah. This does not mean that the Azov regiment and the broader Azov movement are not a concern when it comes to terrorism. Both have had, realize this is the 2022. Both have had and likely still have direct extremist ties, and there are credible reports that members of the Azov Regiment have uh, perpetrated war crimes and human rights violations. Well, that's we all know. Anybody with brain cells can see that's happening. There is also evidence that Azov Regiment members have engaged in weapons trafficking. Hey, there's your tax dollars at work right there. In 2018, the 2018 version of the National Defense Authorization Act, which we just mentioned, for example, included language that prevented the United States from... Providing arms and training assistance to the Aza Battalion. Okay, well, then explain for me how they're doing that right now. In 2019 and 2021, there were also two separate efforts by members of Congress to designate the Aza Battalion a foreign terrorist organization. And weirdly, both of them failed. Now, why would that be? So there's still a law, the legislation is still existing that they're not allowed to fund them, but they do anyway. In 2016, Facebook identified the Aza Battalion as a dangerous organization. Then, three years later, 2019, Facebook banned the entire group from its platform as a tier one status alongside groups like Islamic State, Ku Klux Klan. Then, magically, after Russia invaded, well, they, they reversed the ban, saying they would allow praise for Azov, Because that makes perfect sense, right guys? It does when you understand what's really going on. The scale of Russian paramilitary activity in Ukraine can be difficult to track. Yeah, you don't say. And discerning the percentage of Russian mercenaries who have extremist views, who are active there, it's even harder. So my po- you can read all of this up here where they get into Wagner and the overlaps and all the Russian imperial movement. But all you really need to read? I mean, you should read it. But read the point is, it's all the U.S. government says and Department of Defense argue. Think tanks will tell you. The point is, it is difficult to know what's actually going on there and what this, what their views are is even harder. So all it is, is U.S. think tanks telling you what they wink, wink, want you to think. Instead, uh, excuse me, estimates of the number of Wagner operatives active in Ukraine vary widely, probably meaning that we don't know for sure or at all. But and of course, the, the overall point is that Wagner is just now a synonymous with Nazi, even though I'm sure there's probably bad group guys in any of these groups. But that's not even remotely the same thing as what we're seeing in, in, in the Azov movement but the Department of Defense has repeatedly stated it believes the number of Wagner personnel active in Donbass to be approximately 1,000. So again, the group that they want you to think are the bad Nazis are the ones defending innocent people in Donbass. So let that sink in. And that over the past several months, the Russian military and the Wagner group have both shifted personnel from other countries to Ukraine. And those numbers are not even remotely close to what we're actually seeing funded and armed and grown in the United States and in Ukraine. While the Azov Regiment and the movement Russian imperial movement, Wagner and and Reich are key entities for extremism and counterterrorism practitioners to watch. They are not the only actors playing active roles in the conflict of concern. So they list them off right next to each other, even though that's not what we're being told. It's pretty damn clear to me how ridiculous all this is. Now, again, we've already seen the beginnings of this. This was January 25th, 2023. We saw a white supremacy attack in Spain. Remember? And what happened? They rushed out to blame Russia, even though you could draw, draw direct ties back to the Azov movement, which we did. You can watch the show for yourself here. Vanilla ISIS slout begins. It's already happening. I don't know why they don't just give up on these very clumsy narratives, but maybe it's because it's not as solid to other people as I think it is to me. But you guys tell me. Now, here is the last part is just about these kind of statements already be not just starting in the beginning of this, but still happening now, largely coming from, surprise, surprise, the Ukrainian officials. Ukrainian official, Russia is a sponsor of global neo-Nazism and must be demilitarized, says the Nazi organization. <laughs> right? I mean, how silly is that? But that, That's what we're seeing everywhere. Here's the actual pl- uh, article. Must be demilitarized. Here is a direct post from the United States government that was posted on June 23rd, 2022. Here's what it says. And this is this is very clear, guys. They were saying this in June 2022. They were stressing that the problem, the groups that were trying to spread the white race around the world was Russia bad guys. Even though you can literally, anytime they get a microphone, the movement will tell you that. It says, such ideology has long been propagated. Oh, excuse me, it starts right here. We have not yet fully discussed the prevalence of far-right extremism and ultranationalism, indeed, neo-Nazism among Russian forces and proxies. Now, I'm not denying that there's elements of that in just about any of these groups, especially military. And I, you can see them. But there is an overwhelmingly obvious situation happening in Ukraine right now as well as the undeniable fact that we know the CIA knowingly and deliberately grew and neo-Nazi elemented. So it's not hard to see. You can't deny that's happening just because the U.S. government says fake news. But you should be willing to ask, is that also happening on the Russian side? From the evidence I see, I think it's strung together by narrative and, and hypothetical arguments. That doesn't mean there's not elements there, but the point is it's not the same thing. The obvious embodiment of this problem is in Ukraine right now that's my opinion, such ideology has long been propagated inside Russia and embodied by homegrown far-right extremist groups. Mr. Chair, this far-right ultranationalism is, in fact, being cultivated as a tool of war. See, the Kremlin's long-standing support for violent far-right extremism groups and its goal to destroy and subjugate Ukraine are two sides of the same coin. Mr. Kremlin, or the Kremlin's ultranationalist agenda has also, at times, translated into support for neo-nazi groups internationally aimed at destabilizing democratic countries i don't see any evidence of that i'm not saying it's not true but you know who i do see doing this the u.s government all over the world maybe not always neo-nazis but dangerous extremists like michael hudson told you right in the beginning they did it in afghanistan they did it in syria they did it everywhere look at the people they were funding and arming in, in venezuela I mean, it's just it's it's they were the ones caught throwing Molotov cocktails on what was supposed to be aid for people. It it's blatant. The connections between the Russian state and neo-Nazi movements throughout Europe are extensive and well documented it says. Now again, when you really hear that like that is the Russian Imperial movement and a few other flimsy things based on state departments and think tanks. Well, you've got like Every outlet in the world with years of coverage of the Azov movement. And this is what they're pushing forward. The connections between Russian state and any neo-Nazi movements throughout Europe, which involves the Azov movement, guys, are well documented. And many of these relationships illustrate the explicit link to Russia's war against Ukraine. Just last week, on June 15th, the U.S. Department of the Treasury designated one such neo-Nazi, Anton Thulin. As a specially designated global terrorist, it's this guy, Swedish member of the Russian Imperial Movement. Here we go. So, suddenly, right at the beginning of this, we designate the Russian Imperial Movement bad guy as the biggest thing to point at. Well, you're going to find out that this guy's connected with all the same things as well. But we'll come to that next. The Russian Imperial Movement was previously designated by the State Department as a specially designated global terrorist organization in April 2020 for providing ter- training for armed acts of terrorism. So really, that's what they're now boiling it down to? They train the people that later went on to do it, even though that's argument at best? And that there are groups that carried out much larger, much, conti- and are right now gigantic compared to what they became? So it's, it's a choice. Curiously, the Russian imperial movement continues to operate. But that's not really well. Here's here's the funny point. Isn't that the same thing with people like David Duke, or what about this guy? Are you are you all are you arresting them on the spot and putting them in jail? Well, no. You're allowing these people free speech and so on, right? But just think about how they love to put these kind of narratives out. Curiously, they're still around. Okay. Well, the same thing's happening here. Like I'm, the point is that Russia has taken action. They're designated a terrorist group. They've raided their offices. They've, you know, The point is, are they breaking laws? Then they can be arrested for it. And it seems that Russia has done that. But you guys can decide for yourselves. In this case, it seems that not only are you allowing this group to continue to proliferate, which again, free speech and so on, but you're literally arming one of the biggest examples of that right now in the in Ukraine and allowing them to murder people. So let's be clear about who's curiously allowing things to continue to operate. But it says, in 2015, the United States sanctioned Dugan for actively recruiting individuals with military and combat experience to fight on behalf of the self-proclaimed Donetsk People Republic. That's Alexander Dugan, you know, the the daughter of which the Ukrainian neo-Nazis have already assassinated, which nobody said anything about or cared about because, you know, bad guy Russia, right? Or killing civilians or killing journalists. But, you know, as long as they're Russian-sided, we can pretend we don't care. Disgusting. But realize that all they're really saying is, well, they fought on the side that we don't like, so therefore Nazi. One of its core tactics is to publish fringe thinkers and conspiracy theorists in Western countries, giving them a broader platform. Well, you know who does that more than anyone in the world? The U.S. intelligence apparatus. Opening up the radio-free Europe and radio-free, that's exactly what they literally do. I'm sure Russia does it too. These hateful far-right platforms are closely linked to each other. Now, again, are they all hateful far-right platforms or just groups that say things the U.S. government doesn't like? But it says, as well as the Russian government. Finally, it says, Russia continues to deploy far-right ultranationalism in service of subjugating Ukraine. So as they're funding the open neo-Nazi elements, they're saying that that's what Russia's doing around the world. I mean, you can't make up that kind of stupidity. And in service of supporting neo-Nazi and extreme right-wing nationalist movements like the Azov movement throughout Europe aimed at destabilizing and overthrowing democracy, which is what the Azov movement says they want to do. So my point is, this was the U.S. government desperately trying to lay the narrative that the bad thing happening all around the world that we're building is because Russia. Anton Thulin, they reference. Part of the group that they want you to think is the building entity here. Here's Here's an article in 2020. German neo-Nazis are getting explosives training at white supremacist camp in Russia. Of course. Right? So they're all being trained in Russia by the bad guys, right? In In St. Petersburg, right? It, right next door to the base. That's where they're operating, right? Because it's all, totally not all connected back to the Azov movement and the CIA, right? Also, don't forget <clears> that the idea of these training groups is always how they frame this, is what they're now using with this guy's arguments to try to stop you from being able to even learn how to use a gun, you know, because Nazis, right? That, that's how this is working. We'll get there in a minute. German attendance to at the camp in St. Petersburg highlights the growing cooperation between white supremacist groups internationally. Well, you know, they include, because it was before the invasion, the Azov movement. The German extremists who attended the camp belonged to the youth wings of two fringe German political parties, widely considered to be neo-Nazi movements. The National Democratic Party and what do you know? The third path. What was that again? That is the international arm of the Azov movement in Germany. See? It's not hard to put these things together, guys. and This is not hyperbole. Hypo- this is not hypothetical. This is FBI documents. This is expert testimony with even corporate media saying this before they invaded. The point is, that is the international arm of the Azov movement training the very people that they're now pointing at and saying being trained by Russian imperial movement. The focus report did not provide further details of their attendance at the camp, but said that the extremists from Sweden, and Finland, had previously attended the camps and gone on to fight pro-separatist militias in eastern Ukraine. Down here, it says, while no Americans are known to have participated in the camps, the Russian imperial movement has also forged ties with American white supremacists, according to a report by the Sofon Center, again, a U.S. think tank. Russian imperial movement developed close ties with Matthew Heimbach, the guy who created the the Charlottesville March, the founder of the neo-Nazi traditionalist Workers' Party in the U.S., and an organizer of the infamous Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. They are trying to lay the groundwork for the Russian imperial movement being the people behind this, because at the time it was not public knowledge that Third Path was, in fact, the Azov movement international arm. So you can see it right there. They're trying to lay the groundwork. Heimbach, who claims to have renounced his white nationalist views, welcomed the Russian imperial movement delegation to the U.S. in 2017 and had reportedly received invitations to train with them. She said the main fear of intelligence services was that the extremists would return home and carry out acts of violence in their own cities. So why don't they care about them doing it with the Azov movement? They're literally listed in here because the narrative shifted. That's why. Like two Swedish neo-Nazis, Victor Mellon and Anton Thulin, who attended an 11-day Russian imperial movement training camp in August 2016 before carrying out a series of terrorist attacks in Sweden, Swedish city a few months later. Now, again, these people are are clearly not good people. But the point is that there's literally no indication this group is connected to the Russian government, as far as I can tell, but there is nothing but obvious connections back to groups that are tied right back to the CIA and the Azov movement. How else do we need to frame that? I find that to be staggeringly clear. Now, Michael Tracy pointed something out that I think is interesting. Everyone's talking about the Burning Man, whatever. I haven't even looked at what's going on. But apparently, they had an effigy burned for... Ukraine at the at the Burning Man festival. And turns out it was funded by the U.S. government. How do we not see how blatant this is? Naturally, these pro-Ukraine displays at Burning Man were a straight up state run PR operation. The head of the charity that organized it is a deputy defense minister of Ukraine. Think about that. Creating I mean, in the United States creating things, funding things, being a part of policy choices. The charity specializes in uh, fueling grenade launchers, mortars, drones, etc. into the war zone. CNN covered the Burning Man-Ukraine collab, and of course, just, I guess, just failed, didn't notice, right? They neglected to mention that it was an operation of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. Instead, they make it seem like it's just a plucky little grassroots project. Cool journalism. CNN, they're not, or Fox, they're not journalism, guys. They're propaganda outlets. And then just a couple last points to finish up here. I just thought this was hilarious. This is literally a, a uh, this is from 20, this is 2022. Financing, right, financing extreme right-wing volunteers in Ukraine. <laughs> Past lessons for new risks? Are you serious? This is from the, the EU. <laughs> You're literally like, should we fund any more Nazis for, for extra, I mean, like, what is that about? Financing extreme right-wing volunteer? Yeah. Isn't that what you're saying is a false story? I just think that's ridiculous. Now, last two points, this was shared with me, uh, FEMA, Coladas, Nude green, the blood tribe, Nazi psyop summed up in two screenshots from this article. And I'll read this to you, but here's the full article. Here's what it says. Proposal to prevent paramilitary and neo-Nazi training camps. So now we're conflating militia and Nazi because that's what was one of the main points here. They're scared of you having the you know organized militia, even though that's your constitutional right. Literally outlined in the constitution, a well-armed militia. It scares them because that means that you have the ability to fight back. And they know we see what they are right now. So my point, and I've never advocated violence. I don't believe that's the way to go. But nonetheless, you have every right to do so, because that's your constitutional right, as well as to own a gun, as well as to be prepared and know how to use it for hunting or for protection from anybody. Yes, including a tyrannical government. thats It's funny how we act like that's some kind of don't part, you don't say. That's literally the Constitution. It's just—it's so silly how we are today. But it sparks a free speech debate. No, what this seems to be to me is using these very people, including with this very potential CIA agent, this guy himself, I'm just kind of facetiously saying that. I don't know. But the point is ultimately using this to say, okay, we need to pass laws that stop you from being able to act on your constitutional rights because extreme version of what we've created. That's always how this works. You get at free speech because hate speech. Well, that's not how that goes, but that's what they're trying to do. A proposal to prohibit paramilitary training camps or, you know, militias or just training in Maine which is where they're building this, is sparking debate about how to protect the public from extremist groups without infringing on rights. And there's your lip service, because they, well, we care. No, you don't. But it's not just extremist groups. If you're going to pass a law that says you can't have paramilitary training camps, why do you assume that's only neo-Nazis? Because they want to stop you from doing that, not just neo-Nazis. They're using neo-Nazis to achieve these ends. Quote, they have a perfect right to express their opinions into protests, says Senator Joe Baldaki. but nobody, nobody has the right to create a situation and cause an incitement of violence or to train others to create civil disorder and disturbances of the peace and threats to other people. That's just a broad, meaningless statement. If you have a right to, I mean, any, I mean, obviously militia, to train, to own a gun, you can't just then go, but nobody has a right to, from that position, have things happen. It's like, what do you mean? Training others just like so what their argument becomes is that they're say you're training somebody to be to go out and act violent. Well, if you can prove that, well, that's terrorism. So act on it. You don't need new legislation to act to hold people accountable for current laws. They don't that's they never do. This is about using current points to justify new laws to be able to suppress your rights. And I'm not saying I agree with anything that people are doing, but we need to understand how easily they put forward these things to use them against you. Bacaldi, Bal- uh, Baldaki has drafted legislation that would make it a criminal offense to simply offer training in firearms. You see how ridiculous that gets? So it goes from Nazis and training in terrorism to go, well, you can't train in how to use a gun. What about the Constitution? Well, Nazis. There you go. Too many simple-minded people will go, yay, bad guy Nazis, no guns. And of course, in explosives and other tactics with the intent of causing a civil disorder. Well, that's what they'll frame it no matter what. How do you, you know and near impossible it is to prove intent with, unless you've got some, like, like if it's a, even in a court of law, it becomes very difficult to prove intent. Let alone when you're just kind of broadly pointing at an opaque, like people training in weapons. You could easily argue, here's what they said on Facebook 20 years ago. That means they want to do this, X, Y, and Z, which is what they do. Or, here he is criticizing the Israeli government. We know he wants to create disorder. Like, that's the kind of stuff they actually argue. Or they'll just say what you're saying is hate speech, even though, first of all, it's your right, free speech. And half the time, it's not even really what they say it is. The the prohibition would not apply to training for law enforcement. Of course not. Self-defense programs, like the ones that they put on themselves military science students, firearms instructions on safe use of guns and any or any legal shooting sports. But yeah, but having the right to form your own militia or be able to train people on how to use guns on your own property is your right. But they want to take those rights away. And what's more embarrassing about the whole thing is as much as we all collectively know that's outlined in the Constitution, people hearing me say that right now would act like, oh, that's just archaic and old and they just don't believe in the Constitution anymore. Except they will happily use it against you when it's something they believe in. We have opposed bills like this in Maine when they are organized around Black Lives Matter groups or radical organizing. And the principles are really the same. Somebody else said in contradiction of this. They're right. You see, because the difference is, it's, if it's going to be used in one way, it should be used, it's, it should be the same. It should be equally done in all directions. You don't get to pretend that militant Black Lives Matter groups are somehow not allowed to be you know, framed in the way of potential terrorism, but in the other direction is the same, because we're talking about the same thing. Now, I'm not saying anybody in every Black Lives Matter groups are that way, just like I'm not saying everybody in any kind of militia group are that way. You see the point? But I can prove to you that there's wildly militant, wildly violent parts of the Black Lives Matter movement, and there are obviously the same on this side, in the side of militias. It's very easy to see. So, to, but to, like he's saying, we've opposed bills like this that just broadly do that, so it should be done the same way here. Haydn said people have a constitutional right to know whether specific conduct is prohibit, permitted or prohibited under the law. But he doesn't believe that distinction is clear in this bill. Of course not, because they never want it to be clear. And while it is already legal, illegal to harm others or damage property, exactly, Haydn said it is not against the law to express ideas that many people might find offensive. Like, look, if you really want to take it to its extreme, even arguing violence is technically still speech. So you have to really understand how that difficult line, we need to walk that line. If people act on violence, there's a, they're committing a crime. They can be held accountable for it. Every step we go away from that, where you go, oh, this is now a violation because you threaten somebody. Well, even that is pulling back on that same discussion. 26 states have anti-paramilitary laws that ban training camps, instructions on firearms, and similar activities. So too late, 26 states have already violated your constitutional rights. Many people don't feel safe having a demonstration or a march or a rally for causes they care about if they think they're going to be met there by heavily armed, military-clad, AR-15-toting militia members who are intimidating and threatening them. Well, is that what they're doing? Even though, again, like I just said, I don't necessarily agree that that concept is actually... there is laws already, There are laws already in place. If you're being intimidated or threatened, well, then hold them accountable for it, if you think that's the, uh, the right thing to do. You don't pass a law on top of that to say, well, just don't let them be there in general. The point is, are they allowed to own a gun? Yes. Are they in a state where they're allowed to open carry? In these cases, yes. So what are we talking about? You're talking about trying to justify removing those rights. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, You may agree with it, but let's be clear about what we're talking about here. Certainly, people wouldn't feel comfortable at vote, to vote at polling places if that you've got private militias out patrolling these places. Well, that's because of the way this is all framed. Because most of these groups are there to protect. No one's there to try to threaten anybody. But if they are, then that becomes apparent and people could do something about it. But either way... The bottom line is, this is not about the group action. It's about the idea of what the law states, about the Constitution states. I'm not saying that's a perfect world. I can very clearly see a situation where this might cause a problem, but there's problems. The world's not perfect, it's, things aren't easy. The right thing often isn't. Nonetheless, they have the right to own arms, they have a right to freely assemble, they have a right to have a militia, and they have a right to stand in the public place. So, I mean, I just I get so frustrated with how we boil this down to personal subjective opinion and act like that trumps our feelings and emotions, Trump, the law and the Constitution. But it says, and overall, my point is they frame it in this broad, extreme way because all they really seem to want to do with this bill is just stop you from being able to train or join or even start a militia in the first place. But it says the, the white nationalist behind the camp in Springfield, Uh, Christopher Polhas, we just pointed out, that's this guy, same person, who leads a group known as the Blood Tribe, recently told the Fox Bang or television station that his organization is not a paramilitary group. And he said uh, Baldaki's proposal won't stop him from exercising his First Amendment rights. Well, it's not designed to. And that seems like he's playing into it. And here's what he literally says. If they want to take all my guns, take them. Really? Now, that is a huge red flag. I mean, that that doesn't line up with literally anybody in these. Most of these people that are like the actual embodiment of the the neo-Nazi elements are absolutely all about their constitutional rights, about the idea that they have a right to own arms. Now, you're you're, you're literally going, take my guns. I don't care. I don't buy it for a second. He says, I don't care because I can still run my mouth. See what I'm saying? None of this stuff affects me. (sighs) Literally sounds like these idiots from before on the old thing, But it says legislative leaders have not taken a position on Baldaki's proposal, but have said they are exploring whether additional laws are needed. So it's all coming down. So, guys, this is the immediate reaction to this. But we have to realize how much this is being seeded into much larger conversations. The the war on domestic terror, the Ukrainian war in general. I mean, everything is is building on this. But already they're trying to lay out laws that will stop you from even being able to train and arm yourself the way you're legally allowed to because bad guy Nazis. Pretty crazy. But that's where I'll leave it for today. There's plenty of other things we'll dive into. But thank you for tuning in, guys, because I really do think this is important. I mean, I, I know we've been harping on this topic for a long, on and off for a long time, but I, I think it's as obvious as anything we talk about today. It's very clear that there's something going on here that's being built. And every step we get closer, it continues to flush out, just like Whitney's been laying out, just like we've been finding in the research. I think it's pretty obvious. And in any case, whether you think that or not, historically, this is what they do. I mean, verifiably, we can prove moderate rebels or any number of examples in South America. This is exactly what the U.S. government does. They arm the crazy people and they use them to to achieve their ends and then blame somebody else. And steal from the people on the countries they, they occupy. And they name it all freedom. It's disgusting. But thank you for tuning in, guys, because we need to continue to fight. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.